Welcome to Game Face, episode 37. Hopefully a little more low-key than last week. I think I almost had a coronary on the way home after last week's episode. Definitely an intense one, to say the yeah. least. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to start off the show by thanking all the new subscribers to Sifted. Uh, we actually had one of our best weeks for subscribers ever in the past week. Uh, so it's been a pretty good week as far as getting new people. Um, still a drop in the bucket compared to what we would need to bring on a lot of the GT guys. But uh, I do just want to personally say thank you to all the new subscribers and welcome to the website. Hope you guys love it. It seems like most of you are enjoying it so far. So welcome to Sifted. Hope you enjoy your time. Uh, been a, things are starting to heat up a little a little bit in the games industry, Matt. About starting time. to get good releases pretty much every week. We have plenty of stuff to talk about on the show this week. Yeah, the early 2016 rush is finally starting to it's hit. starting to happen, yeah. So a uh, couple things we want to talk about just before the show kicks off. Kojima today finally spoke. Polygon scored like the big interview at Dice today. Got him on record talking about some stuff. He's still pretty coy. He was when isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I mean he always has been. But they did ask him a lot of questions. Is it with Del Toro. Del Toro was yeah. there. I think they did actually a panel today. It was mm -hmm. Jeff Keighley, Del Toro, and Kojima. I think on the panel. So um, basically, what's happened? People are going to always wonder why he is not talking about what happened with Konami. And just for, for some of you who may not know how it works usually when you leave a company, is if you get severance, which is a payment that you get for having worked there, um, they basically will pay you when you leave for X amount of time, and it's usually based on how long you worked there. Mm -hmm. um, so, But a lot of times when you get that severance, you can't talk about anything that happened at the company while you were there. So, at the very least for a period of time. Yeah, for a set amount of time. So it could be in seven years he's able to finally talk about what really happened. But if you're waiting to kind of get that dirt on the whole Kojima Konami thing, you're probably going to be waiting a long time to get that. But yeah, something I would guess like we are we're either never going to know what exactly what happened, or we will find out what happened when the people involved are so old they don't care anymore. Yeah, he used some analogies today to talk about uh, PT and Silent Hills. He was saying um, PT was like them climbing Mount Fuji to prepare to climb Mount Everest, and you know, it was so successful with that little thing that they put out, and people liked it so much, which I still don't really get. Like, I honestly didn't like it as much as everybody else I did. I liked it, but it also wasn't, like, it, it, it was not reflective of the actual game they were showing. Right. So I didn't know what the, you know... Well, it also, a game came out this week, and we have an eval out for it right now, called Layers of Fear. And yeah, it's, like, the first, one. like, PT clone. Like, it... <laughs> But, I mean, what I don't like about those games is that it's just, like, all trial and error. That's what I didn't like about PT. It's, like, turn on the radio, turn off the radio, turn on the radio, mm -hmm. turn, on, uh, turn it on the fifth time, it says something. And then you're like, oh, well, now I'm going to sit here and turn yeah. it on. And like all the stuff with, like, the, the, the headset stuff where you just say particular... I'm like, how am I supposed to know that? Right. Yeah, I, I just don't like games like that where you just sit there and, like, it's almost like you're using a spreadsheet to play the game. You're like, I tried this and I cross-referenced mm -hmm. it with this. Check that one off. Now let's do the next... Like, I actually did that with Assassin's Creed 1. Yeah. I collected all the flags. <laughs> right. Yeah. To me, that's not Jerks. a fun video game. So, but yeah, so a new the game Layers of Fear came out this week. It's basically if you really are pining for a game like PT, you should probably play Layers of Fear. I'm not a big fan of those types of games. So I think it looks pretty cool, but I haven't played it. I, I watched like the first folks. half hour on something that you curated yeah. yesterday. Yeah, looked cool. 
I don't know if it's like twenty bucks. I don't I actually don't know. I don't know how much it is. Yeah, I think it is nineteen ninety nine. I guess twenty dollars. That seems to be the going rate for like going rate for indie walking sims at this point. Yeah, yeah we mentioned it in the eval for that game too. The game is like five hours long, and for twenty dollars, it's like you're approaching the entertainment value of a movie at that point, which mm. is like a territory that games never really tread in. Like, but it's funny how I never question that. Like, I'm about to go, you know, between me and my girlfriend, I'm about to pay like thirty something bucks to go see Deadpool. Yeah, and like. I'm not even going to question that. But if a yeah. game costs like 35 bucks and it was like five hours long, I'd be like, well, that's crazy. Well, it's because we're conditioned to yeah. it. I mean, it's we expect to get X amount of playtime mm-hmm. per dollar spent with video games, and that amount of time is generally a lot higher than what you get with films. Right. So, I mean, the other part of it, too, is that a film that you watch for two hours, a lot of times will cost four or $500 million to make. True. Whereas most games, typically 100, 200 million. Well, okay, there. they only cost four or five hundred million. Yeah, but uh, you know, a lot of the big ones are in the three hundred million range when you include marketing. What was uh, Force Awakens? Do you know what the budget was for that? Force Awakens is about one hundred fifty million. That's it. And then you, uh, you, the rule of thumb is you double the budget to get the for marketing because marketing. Yeah. marketing is never included in the budget. So the I theory Force is Force Awakens would be way more than that. Nah. Yes, it was. I mean, it wasn't that crazy. It wasn't really. CG heavy, I guess. That's where you it tend was CG to jump heavy, but it wasn't like more CG heavy than any other you know big tentpole picture right now. Yeah. Um, and Abrams knows how to bring a project in you know on budget, so yeah. it's uh, you know so probably you know and you, you know the rule of thumb you double to get the get the full budget with the marketing included. So once that movie crossed the three hundred million dollar range, it was which was it, like it, the it, first it was like day, day. two. Yeah. <laughs> It was like you know, Deadpool. Deadpool cost fifty-eight million. Yeah, um, really? That's yeah. it. It was, it was a pretty cheap. They 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 actually cut like seven to ten million dollars off the budget during production, and they had that's, that's which, always which is they there's a joke in there, I guess, about how like they could only afford two X Men, uh, and that's not really a joke. Like, it's the, like, <laughs> legit. like they really could they really could only afford Colossus and teenage Negasonic Teenage Warhead, and that was it. Oh, that's funny. But um, so Deadpool actually made its budget back is its you know production budget back on the first day. Uh, and then you know you double that to get mar- you know the marketing was huge and that that you know probably yeah. was about sixty million of marketing. So you know once you pass on twenty million, Deadpool's in pure profit zone and that's well well, it's well over pure, that. Right, yeah, did that in one weekend. Yeah, which yeah, is did really crazy. Well, so, so get ready for R-rated superhero movies, folks, because they're you know I'm w- cool with that. It should have taken us sure. long. Sure, the next Wolverine will be rated R, no question. You think? After that. Yeah, because it's Fox. It's the same company, Makes and sense. I bet Deadpool will be in it too. I mean, <laughs> come on. So yeah, I think you will start to see probably two years from now you're going to start to see R-rated superhero pictures from you know, and I think you're finally going to start seeing Image. You might see a Spawn movie again. Yeah, I um, thought I read that they're working on a Spawn movie. They've been it's, like a, on a, it's like a horror film. They've been working on a Spawn movie for like since the first one, but yeah. never, nothing ever gets off the ground. But like I know McFarlane has been very adamant that a real Spawn movie would cost be R-rated. Uh, so now maybe that'll open that door. And you know, consider that you know the other thing that helped helped. Uh, Oddly enough, the other thing that helped Deadpool get R-rated was the fact that American Sniper did so well right. in the same time period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, basically, you had yeah. to prove that you know, the R rating... It's, it's funny to me because back when we were kids, you had to be rated R to be taken seriously as an action picture. No, you're right. Like, yeah. Terminator 2 is an R-rated film. You don't think I about mean, it. I still kind of look at things that way, to A be little honest bit, with you. Yeah, I mean, but like, I mean, like Terminator 2 is an R-rated film. Why is it an R-rated film? Because there's like squibs on yeah. the like the, the gunshots of the knees. My, that's my it. General but they had to get that R for anyone to not look at me like, oh, that's for babies. Yeah. You well, know? it's not even that. I just feel like if it's going to be realistic, it kind of needs to, needs to be rated R if it's yeah. an action film. If people are going to die and it's not rated R... I mean, you have a lot more leeway with violence on PG-13 now than you did yeah, back then. Yeah, they've stretched it a bit. Um, 
not you know there was a, there was also a time when anything PG that was a comedy had boobs in it, and that doesn't happen at all anymore. Yeah. Uh, so we've moved well away from that. But it's interesting to note that like you know maybe we'll start to see the the re rise of the R rated action action picture because when we were kids that was all action was yeah. R rated. You know all the John Claude Van Damme stuff, all the Steven yeah. Seagal stuff. Like that was the deal. Like yeah. they were R rated movies. Your mom had to say it was okay. Let you in a cement bunker at the end of the mall. Come back in an hour and a half when it's over. You know, like yeah. that, that's how what we used to do. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a very interesting. I'm a big movie business, you know, industry follower, and I'm very interested to see what Deadpool means for the future of uh, not just comic book or superhero movies, but for like action movies in general, because it's a. Uh, it could be a watershed moment. That's right. All right, so we do promise this is a video we game. We will talk about video games. <laughs> this is a point. video Deadpool game. Deadpool had a video game. Video cast. And on that note, let's get to it with the Big Six. All right, party people. It's been a good week in video games. we got six great topics to discuss with you guys. Uh, first, we're going to talk about... The video game that has a movie with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's actually not true. <laughs> A lot of there's some confusion. Have they figured? Have they explained this now? So the, there's confusion. People think that Quantum Break actually has like a TV component to it that like you could go on Xbox Live and like watch a TV show. That's actually not the case. It is a, it's a. There's like scenes in the game that look like they're from a TV show, but they're actually just contained within the game. Okay. So that's been kind of a misconception with it. But there's some live action footage. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you pay Iceman to be in your game. Right. <laughs> You're not just going to render him with polygons. And, and so that's one thing. That's been kind of cleared up with the round of previews that have come out over the last week. But really the bigger news story is that Quantum Break was announced for PC basically day and date with the Xbox One version. And so that was a huge deal when it was announced. People were like, holy crap, like, you know, some people may have bought an Xbox One to play Quantum Break. Maybe they're big fans of Max Payne or... Remedy in general, this game's been hyped for and, a long time. And if time. any of you are out there, please raise your hand, because <laughs> I'd, like I'd like to see you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, the, first they announced that it's coming to PC, basically mm. day and date. People are really pissed off about it. But and, wait. There, but there, wait. There's a catch. There's more. <laughs> and the more is that that's not the only game that is likely coming to PC. Mm. Gears of War 4 is already... It's not, look, none of it's officially announced. This was like a leak from a reliable source. Typically, this type of stuff has been right in the past. So, Gears of War 4 might be the flagship game for Xbox One. I can't think of another game right now for Xbox One that's going to draw more general interest, have a higher chance of driving hardware sales than Gears of War 4. Mm -hmm. And Forza, the next Forza Horizon, which they also announced... Surprise, surprise, they're working on other Forza Horizon. Here we are with Microsoft yeah. following into this falling into the Is it same an even number year? There we go. Yeah. They're falling into the same trap that they were in at the end of the Xbox three sixty life cycle, where it's the same like five games just cycled mm. over and over again. Well the crackdown's in there somewhere. Yeah, and crack yeah, crackdown's coming. Although that is a, 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 why it's kind of a shame and we talked about this several episodes ago. It's a shame the scalebound isn't making it this year because yeah. that's like the breath of fresh air in yeah. the Microsoft lineup. So gears for the next Forza Horizon are coming to PC as well. Yeah, but it's it's there's a, there's a caveat to that too, isn't there? Well, what it's is... like well, it's not coming to Steam. Right, right, right. And you have to get it from the Windows, Windows 10 store. App Store or whatever, yeah, yeah. which means they're basically using these as leverage to try to get you to upgrade to Windows 10, 
which uh, I which have. Which I don't really need because already the adoption rate for Windows 10 has been like insane. It's yeah, like well, through the roof. I've thought about it just to get it to stop yelling at me, but like I, yeah. you know, I'm waiting until I'm sure everything I use is going to work. I've upgraded all my machines to 10. I haven't had any issues with it. In fact, but, I like it a lot better than. Well, better than Windows 8, that's for damn sure. So no, I'm, I'm still waiting. To, you know, I'm sure there's a game that will convince me to update uh, for the DirectX 12 goodness, but Quantum Break ain't it. Now, um, here's so a I'll caveat. play that on my Xbox. Yeah. Here's a caveat I wanted to mention, though, that you know, there's another side to this. The other side of it is, is that when you buy Quantum Break for Xbox One, you get the PC version for free. Mm. So... And it's cross-platform, so your save transfers over to the PC version, the Xbox One version, which sounds really cool, but when you start thinking about it, it's like, why, why? would you need that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's say you have, like, a rental cabin and you have a PC at the rental cab. Like, and yeah, other- it's not like Vita and PlayStation kind of makes sense to have the... Because you can play it on the go, or you can, right. you can like, pick up where you left off when you get home and stuff. But I feel like this is probably just like, oh, I don't want to go in the other room. Yeah, well, the other <laughs> angle, too, is that they put out the minimum PC requirements for Quantum Break, and they're insane. Mm. The recommended specs are bonkers. Like, you need a beastly rig to play this game the way it's intended to be played. So they're counting on people having both this crazy, insane gaming PC and an Xbox One, and I still can't figure out, like, what the point is of it. Like, again, like what you're saying, the Vita makes sense, the 3DS cross-buy makes sense if you know they've put out a 3ds version of a game and you can play that other version and you know for instance uh, hyrule warriors are getting ready to put mm-hmm. out the 3ds version of that and or like smash brothers and yeah i mean there's some games where it makes sense this you're, does... you're just using those things in different venues whereas this is the same what is the angle here matt i can't figure it out like do they know, want it's... people to use the windows 10 app store like i guess i mean i don't i don't know what they're after on this one really it's it I mean, I'm sure it's a way to lure more people into into upgrading to 10, um, but like you're basically giving it away. You know, if you're also buying the Xbox One version, I, don't, I just don't see much difference in between how you're playing. It's like I don't have a theory. It sounds it's it's it sounds like a suggestion that popped up in a boardroom and nobody like thought about it enough to say no. I mean, let's be honest. You know, these games, all the money that these games generate, go into the same pot. It all goes right. into Microsoft's bank account. So. If you're Microsoft, you don't really care like which version sells more. It, the, all those sales yeah. are the same. So I mean, that's one way to head off piracy. I get that part <laughs> of it, but the part I don't get is that you're trying to get people to buy Xbox One, and most people buy or choose the console to buy based upon the exclusives. Because let's be honest, save for Street Fighter Five and a couple others, pretty much every major third-party game comes to both platforms. Mm-hmm. So. Your defining your unique selling proposition that you have for your console is what exclusives do we have for this? So you have these exclusives for Xbox One that are pretty highly anticipated and people are excited over. And then you're just going to not just release them for Windows 10, give them away on Windows 10. I just cannot understand this strategy. I, I've thought about it like all week and I just cannot come up with why they would do this. The only thing I can think is maybe the idea is that people who are buying an Xbox One maybe don't have the top toppest end uh, PC to run Quantum Break. And maybe the idea is that like, well, later when you get a better PC and you've got Windows 10, you've got this free copy of Quantum Break sitting around, you can play it again and it'll look even better and it'll be even funner. But even Windows 10 is like free. Like, yeah. I don't know anyone who's paid for Windows 10, so... 
driving adoption of that doesn't seem like a really big motivator to me. Well, they're they're driving adoption for for some reason. I, I mean, don't, I don't know. That's what, what I'm saying. I just cannot. I don't know what their plot out. is. I mean, look, you're you're deterring people from buying Xbox One with this. And look, Phil Spencer has talked about this for like two years now. Like, this has been a big master plan of his all along. He, I think it was GDC maybe last year where we did the big presentation and talked about Fable Legends and how it was going to be cross-buy, cross-play across Xbox One and PC. So it's not like this came out of the blue, although I'm surprised that a huge exclusive like Quantum Break would be day and date. Like, it just... You look at their bigger business proposition, it doesn't make any sense, man. Like, because you want, look, you want people to buy Xbox One so that they buy more of your first-party software, but you're creating this huge deterrent, and I saw it all over Sifted this week. People are like, well, you know, I was really on the borderline of finally buying an Xbox One. You know, I was looking at Quantum Break, I was looking at Gears coming out later in the year, and now I'm like... Why bother? Mm. And look, these people have powerful PC gaming rigs already. It's not convincing them to buy a new rig or update their rig. And Microsoft doesn't really get a cut of that anyway. It's not like Microsoft's making the hardware for it. So I just... It's baffling. they're They're just back in the part of their cycle where they care about PC gaming again. And then... They support it for a couple years, and then it doesn't work, and then they ignore it for a while, and then a few years later you'll get another, oh, we're super supporting Windows gaming, here we go, you know, it's happened with games for Windows Live, it's probably going to happen with this again, and then it won't quite work the way they hoped it will, and they sort of back off it again, or maybe, you know, I, I don't know. Like, Microsoft, the timing, though, is so Microsoft bad. Microsoft hasn't had a coherent strategy for, like, PC gaming for almost a decade at this point. I don't I don't know what they're doing, but it's not like that's a new situation. But is it a strategy for PC gaming, or is it the strategy for Xbox? Like, I don't know. It must be somehow a strategy for PC gaming, because that's where they're putting this shit. And look, the timing is terrible. And because... clearly the PC version of this is not a new idea. I mean, it's been developed alongside the Xbox One. I mean, this is, this is a long-standing plan here. Here's, here's the only thing I've come up with this whole week, Matt, thinking about this, is that this is the last Xbox. It's the only thing I can think of. And they're trying to get people to start thinking about PC gaming more seriously, and maybe people who bought Xbox in the past, Xbox 360, Xbox One, original Xbox, to make them start thinking about by building a PC, buying a PC, a gaming PC. I just don't, I cannot think of any other reason. I don't think reason. that's going to work. I don't either, because people, you're telling people, hey, instead of spending $400 on this console, mm-hmm. now spend $1,500 on this rig. Because honestly, to if you want to build a rig to buy play Quantum Break, it's going to cost you around $1,500. Yeah. yeah. Like, Maybe they just want us all to be Oculus ready. And the, it, the timing's terrible. I mean, Microsoft right now needs all the console sales it can get. Like, look, it's getting its... At first, the race was like, yeah, okay, Sony's winning. By a little bit. But yeah. now... Well, Sony's too well, way far ahead. The it's thing, double. But the thing about it is also like the Xbox One isn't doing badly, especially when compared life to life, lifetime to lifetime on the 360. But compared to the PS4, it's like in the dust. So it's also starting got, to wane. Xbox One. I gotta admit, I haven't really played anything on my Xbox One in a very long time. Yeah, I mean, I get look, I get most review code for PlayStation Four. Yeah, because PlayStation Four generally runs it better. And then if there's anything interesting on the, you know, you run into the same problem we're about to run into here. If, if there's anything interesting on the Xbox One, it's probably also on PC. And it looks yeah. better on my PC, so yeah. I generally play it there. Um, you know, the only thing I've really played on uh, at my Xbox One uh, like, that I recall is, 
I played uh, last year. I played uh, Halo and I played Dark Dreams Don't Die, Rise um, of the Tomb Raider, and Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, but see, that's the same deal. Like and Ori, that was Ori a, and the Blind Forest. Yeah, that was a month delay, yeah. which everybody thought Tomb Raider other platforms a year later. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope. I just it's like Microsoft is sawing off its own hand. Like I just I can't comprehend why they're doing. I don't this. know. I I have a lot of questions for Microsoft. From the beginning of the Xbox One idea to the to the present, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand what they've been thinking all this time. And I, my my main personal answer would probably be like, I don't think there has been just one person thinking through all this. I think you're seeing a whole lot of strategy changes and a lot of power changing hands behind the scenes, and like, because there's just too many pivots happening with this system. Well, Phil Spencer came in with the save after the yeah. disastrous launch, and they put him in place. Chain, reverse pretty much every policy that they had established when they first unveiled Xbox One. And, and honestly, he's done a great job. Like, if it weren't for him, it would be more than double that they're being outsold by right now. Yeah. But, you know, the timing of this, when Microsoft really... I mean, look, it is getting to the point now where you're going to start see... start You're going to start to see third-party publishers question whether the Xbox One version is worth it. Mm-hmm. And look, right now, they're going to totally decide it is worth it. But yeah. if we keep going down this path, that decision gets harder and harder by the quarter. Well, it's going to be an interesting thing because like, the, the thing about the Xbox One is like, it's a very similar architecture to the PS4 and the PC. So like, making an Xbox One version of something is not really that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, middleware makes it a lot easier yeah, now. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like the Wii U where it's like to make a Wii U version of something you have to make it run basically on last gen hardware you have to make it work with a weird controller you know there's you know I don't think people are going to abandon the Xbox One quite as quickly as they abandoned the Wii U oh because, I would never say that ever, but like but, but if, I mean if it ever actually gets to the point where people decide that like where develop, publishers decide it's not worth making an Xbox One version of something that's I mean that's mind boggling like even the GameCube didn't really get to that point yeah. And well, I mean, we're a couple years into the cycle now, so these aren't really new machines anymore. No. Which is surprising when I think about the number of quality games we've got for them. It's kind of disappointing to think at this point. I think that'll feel better after this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But still, I mean, but typically... A, I still say they launched a year early. Probably. I, I, I think they should have waited. They should have waited for slightly better hardware. They should have waited for slightly faster RAM, uh, especially the Xbox One. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, because... Piece, you know, the current PC tech is just outclassing them in a way. I, I think piece, current PC tech is like high-end PC stuff is outclassing them by a margin that we haven't really seen before yeah. with, a, with a console. I mean, in terms of modern stuff, maybe, I, I don't know, PCs at the time, like the Super Nintendo might have I don't know, my Voodoo 2 card. You Voodoo 2, yeah. Whooped the crap out of my N64 and Dreamcast True. back in the day. True. <laughs> Whooped the could, crap out of You could never run Unreal 1 on a PS1, no. that's for sure. <laughs> But I mean, in terms of like just putting the same games on things, yeah. you just don't see that. Right? I mean, yeah, I guess you put you fit Doom on a Super Nintendo, sort of. But like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I have no personal vested interest in how well Microsoft does. Mm-hmm. So, do I really care about this all that much? No. Like, I like. I would the prefer f- not the, the next generation not be Sony by itself. Oh yeah, that yeah. would be a little disturbing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, that, the NX will be there. But come on. I mean, yeah. look, that was just me trying to figure out why this is happening. Right. But. At the same time, like, I like the fact that more people are going to be able to play these games. Like, I don't want, I never want games to be trapped on this platform where only a set number of people can play them. Mm. I want as many people to get access to the games as possible. So if that's the case, I'm cool with this. I just think if I was working at Microsoft and I was in a position where my job depended on how well Xbox One does, 
this doesn't make any sense. It's a bad decision. No. Which well, leads me to believe that maybe these people aren't that invested in the Xbox brand anymore, and maybe they're looking at a, a different future strategy. Could be. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> the Xbox is doomed. It's all over. That would really suck, by the way, if it this would. was the last Xbox, because the competition would completely go away. Sony would have a monopoly on the market, say, for whatever the NX is or becomes. Um, that would be the worst thing that could happen, because then there's no... There's no competition to push them for, mm. for on their first party front to make sure their first party exclusives are better than it. that. I feel like competition I, makes all boats rise, right. as I said last week. I feel like the uh, I feel like Sony would still be you know they've got a pretty robust in-house kind of exclusive you know machine going on. Yeah. But I yeah I wouldn't be worried about that necessarily for the next generation, the generation after that. Yeah. Whenever that would even be, like if if right. you have no competition, or if you talk to Pactor, there may not even be one. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> That's what <laughs> well, they, he says. How, how many generations have we heard that? You know. Well, I don't. Oh, know. Oh, consoles are dead. Oh, PS4 is selling better than anything ever. You well, know, it's, it's like, not that he's saying consoles are dead. He's saying that the way the technology is going to evolve, that the next generation will be the last piece of hardware that we buy, mm. and then it'll be after that it'll be all in the cloud. Everything it'll be like Gaikai or whatever. Okay, well I don't believe that. Yeah, um, well, unless unless the United States has an amazing like overhaul and everything becomes fiber optic, uh, we do not have the internet bandwidth to do that properly. Like I, I would you know PlayStation Now still. You're talking be. ten years from now though. Yeah, that's but a I, long time. It's a long time, but it's also a very expensive overhaul of the entire country's infrastructure. Well, no, the fiber, the fiber is already there. It's just Some tapping places, into the fiber. Not it was actually laid back in the 80s. All the fiber optics are already in the ground. It's just tapping and connecting to them that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, we, we need to spend another trillion dollars on a fighter that doesn't work. Right, so I don't know where you think you're going to get the money to do that. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because you know I have a pretty fast internet connection, but I still don't think PlayStation Now is acceptable in terms yeah. of like the lag, the lag in terms of control versus what you see. For on certain the screen. genres, I think it works okay. It like, I would like, never play a competitive game right. on it. Well, I mean, they you know, they're very smart. They demoed Uncharted with it, which is like has a, has kind of a a, a mushy control right. feel anyway, so yeah. you don't really notice it. But like, then like you play like Street Fighter Four, and, and it's, it's just like yeah, pretty it's, much it's not. This if is you're not competitive. Yeah, yeah, it's not even worth playing. I mean, it's, I guess it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty playable if you're both on the same machine because you both have the same disadvantage, but, like, you're yeah. not going to be playing online or anything. So, like, to me, um, like, that, that, that's going to take an infrastructure overhaul in, in how we get our internet in this country that I don't know if, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen in the next eight years. I'll be interested to see the comments for this episode because I'm sure some of you sisters are going to come up with some reasoning for why this has happened. Mm-hmm. I've thought about it for, like, four days, and I... The only thing I can come up with is there's not going to be another Xbox. Like, that's literally it. So feel free to share your theories in the comments below this episode or even in our chat. Um, but I'm at a loss for this. I think it's a terrible decision. I think it's a stupid decision on Microsoft's part. I think it's just cannibalizing its own platform and chopping its head off when it needs its head more now than now more than ever. I just you usually do need your head. Yeah, <laughs> particularly when you're battling a juggernaut like Sony right now that's like dominating you. Like you need everything you can get. You need every card in the deck. You need every arrow in the quiver. You need every bullet in the ch- in the in the chamber. Like for them to just these are big exclusives. These aren't like little yeah. like whatever I, games. Like Fable Legends, people are like okay. Like Fable's kind of faded a little bit. Gears of War four. On no the one PC buys is, Xbox. Would be the for, most surprising move for me. Yeah. Like Which Quantum Break, people- okay, whatever. You know, I mean, it's a draw to a certain demographic that loved Alan Wake and think you know knows what Remedy is. But Gears of War, being able to get Gears of War somewhere else 
is yeah, that's that's an odd decision. Yeah. So maybe they'll change their mind. I mean, it depends on the uproar, I guess. You know, people complain about it. And look, people are complaining. And if you even go on, like, YouTube and stuff like that, where people are really vocal, people are doing more than complaining. <laughs> They're like, I'll never buy an Xbox. Like, what incentive do I have? And what incentive do you have? If you have That's a true. PC, there's none, really, other yeah. than playing on your couch, which, you know, with Steam Link and things like that, even that barrier is, like, breaking down now. So, I don't know, people. I think it it's is a pretty bad move. You know, you, you know, it does make me think about, like, you know, if, if the next generation rolls around and the Xbox brand isn't gone, uh, I, will, I will think long and hard about whether I need the next Xbox. Yeah. I'm going to need the next PlayStation because Sony's got all their first-party stuff and all that. Yeah, stuff. I mean, they're never putting their stuff on PC. But, yeah, but if, like, if, I, if I have a PC and I have a PlayStation 4 and I have an NX, do I need an Xbox? Because right now, it looks like the answer is no. Right, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, the other part of the Xbox Live, they haven't really got that right on PC mm. yet. They tried. It was pretty much a disaster. Yeah, no one's ever... Also, like, I mean... No one's going to pay to play right. online well, games con- console, on PC. The console players have been trained to pay for their multiplayer. You know, Gold that's did the other that. Caveat. And Would then they... PlayStation Network followed suit, and that's that. Like, you know, it's yeah. done. We're done. Like, you know, I, who knows? Maybe the NX will charge for, for you know, could. why not? I just, you know, I can't also can't see Microsoft turning its back on all that Xbox Live revenue. It does seem like free money in a lot of, and you know, I mean that was the 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 Xbox One tried. You know, I think probably they probably jumped the gun, but like the Xbox One tried to be the ultimate, you know, spear, you know, the, the ultimate tip of the spear for what the Xbox program was supposed to do back in the '90s when yeah. Bill Gates started and you know saw the video game thing and said we need to own this in the 21st century, do it at all costs. Yeah, and like. The first Xbox was a throwaway. Like it was, it was like they, that was their foot in the door, and then the 360 was they the next step. It ended up becoming step. a doorstop, and it really went. <laughs> it's a good doorstop, though. So are the controllers, the Dukes. The Duke, yeah. Dukes are amazing controllers. <laughs> that, that thing will that'll stun a burglar if you need. I mean, that's, which is, that's my definition of great technological technological art. But um, you know, the 360 really took the next step forward and kind of changed what we thought you know online on console could be. Yeah. And then the Xbox One. Forgot it was a game console. Yeah, and everyone's like, "What?" And you know, and, and like, "Yeah, you can watch TV through it, but like, TV, which seems TV, to be the TV. only thing anyone on my friends list does." By the way, like every that's... time I load that up, I look at the friends list, which is very hard to find in general. Like, it is. That's yeah. the thing is like how isolating both of the new systems have become. Yeah, right. right. Where like you can't, you know, it doesn't tell you when people sign on. Like, well, you can turn that stuff on. You turn that on on the Xbox. You cannot turn it on on the PlayStation Four. PlayStation Four will not tell you that your friends are signed in. Right. It'll tell you when they join parties. Right, constantly. Why do I care? About and for that? some reason, everyone on my friends list just constantly joins parties and leaves parties, joins yeah. parties and leaves parties. And we can see you. Yeah, like, I, I just <laughs> turned off the notifications. I just got tired of seeing it. But so. like, like even when I, you know, when, when at, the, at the height of my Battlefront playing, you know, it, it hit me really hard that like, like back in the day when we'd all play the same game, my little online group and I would play the same game when it came out. We'd see them sign on, and you'd immediately and be like, invite, them, invite to the game. them to the party. Yeah. And now, like, they have to come on and look for us and make see if they can join the band. Assuming the party tech even works that night, yeah. And like, and all this, and it's just like it's so weird how it's like. You're game- right, though. They are isolating. Yeah. Like, they don't. It's like the friends list and everything has been shoved to the background yeah. now, and it's all about here's what's on TV, here's what's on YouTube right, right now. Here, and like- I used to be a bit of an achievement whore. I used to, yeah. you know, I used to, I got a lot of a thousand out of thousands. And like now, I don't care because it's it's hard for me to see my own achievements, let yeah. alone someone no else's. No one's them, ever yeah. going to see it. Like it's you know it's not something we 
even my, you know, we used to have like competitions where like, oh, I got a thousand on this, I got a thousand on that. No one ever looks at it anymore, so no one does it anymore. It's like it's. Well, I have to turn like all my achievements off because I'm playing games that aren't out yet, and so if people come mm-hmm. and like look at my trophies and stuff, they could go and report on it. So. You know, one of the conditions a lot of times when you're playing pre-release software is you have to turn off all your notifications. And instead of me, like, going back and be like, okay, well, I'm playing Rocket League now, Mm -hmm. I don't go back and, like, turn on the notifications while I'm playing Rocket League. Like, I just leave them off. I just got my first uh, platinum trophy of the entire generation. What'd you get? Assassin's Creed Syndicate. So we missed an opportunity there. We could have done a platinum journey with you and Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Yeah, it would have taken a while. Yeah. Thanks for making me run over 5,000 breakable objects in a stupid carriage, Ubisoft. Yeah, that really sucks. That year off is, is needed. That's why I don't care about those things, but that's why we have Adam, who does Platinum right. Journey. Normally I don't, but there was a, I got every other trophy in that just by normal playing, basically. And right. I was like, okay, I've run over a lot of shit. Well, if you're that you close, know. you have uh, that yeah, one I'm, I'm left. Like, and it actually, I mean, I just I turned on like some YouTube video. I think I actually watched, uh, a, like, I was watching like a playlist of the final Bosman while I just ran stuff over on the sidewalk, and it only right. took like one video. It right. was like one or one and a half videos, and it was like, point. I'm just like, good, done, we're out, let's go. <laughs> Plat. Plat, thank you. Um, so yeah, but I just don't really do that. It used to be like something I really enjoyed. I liked the, you know, I know some people hate achievements and trophies, but I always liked it, like it made you do stuff you wouldn't otherwise do, and like. I never hated them. I never ended up getting an affinity for them because. Last generation, when you reviewed and previewed games, you did it all on debugs. Right. Like, that's changed for this generation. Like, now I do almost all my reviewing on the unit that I bought at retail. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just send you codes, and you download the code, and you have the game. You don't have to go through all the dumb crap of having, like, you know, validation disks or or dongles. Oh, your firmware is that we need this firmware. You need, And and then you got to, you remember that? Like, having to, like... Call up your friends at other outlets to find out if they had the. I remember. I think Garnet Lee bailed us out once by like, oh, I have a disc of the latest Xbox firmware you guys can use, and like that's the only reason we got like the review done in time is because yeah. like well, a lot of times they would send the you firmware. they would send you review code with a firmware update. Yeah, and then sometimes the firmware updates wouldn't work, it wouldn't work and or like, wouldn't activate, or 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 that firmware would. And then some, a couple times I remember we got the firmware. The firmware was the wrong firmware for the version of the game that was on the disc, and it yeah. was just like. Every once in a while, that's the kind of thing's going to happen. And, like, that seems to be more or less eliminated this, this generation, which right. is good. So that kept me from caring about achievements because I was, mm-hmm. play, I was spending dozens of hours on these games and getting nothing for them on my profile. So, like, mm-hmm. I think I finished, like, the Xbox 360 generation with, like, 15,000 gamer score or something like yeah, that. Yeah, your gamer score was, was not... Oh, uh, my real gamer score was, like... Way yeah. over, maybe two hundred thousand. I'm thinking. Well, maybe that's too high. But it's a little high. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the like the ones. I was in the one seventy five thousand range by the end. Yeah. Um. So I, I was probably over a hundred thousand. Yeah. And instead, I ended up with fifteen. So I was just like, I don't really care about this anymore. So I I'm, would I would replay stuff I reviewed sometimes and <laughs> I liked it. I, I, did, I did that for Assassin's Creed One. I liked Assassin's really? Creed One so much I played it twice. Wow. And Far Cry Three. I did that with Far Cry Three. Not to get achievements, just because I liked Far Cry Three. Just talking about all this stuff, though, it really makes me hope that this isn't the last Xbox, because they've done some great stuff. Yeah. They've, they've stumbled a little bit with Xbox One. Um, they're still making weird decisions and kind of dumb mistakes here and there, but it has provided like some groundbreaking things, like that brand, and I, you know, it would be a shame for it to go away, purely if, if just for the competition element mm-hmm. with Sony. So, Well, maybe next time they'll make a game system. Yeah, that could be. That could help. Yeah. But again, I'll be interested to see what Sony's you... the only one that has never made that mistake 
really. Yeah. Like they, you know, even though the, the PS3 PlayStation had, some, had some weirdness. I mean, the PlayStation Two so re- originally sold because sold it was a it was DVD, DVD player. player, but it was always a game console. Yeah. And, you know, they they never forgot that. They never, you know, they always pushed it as one. They always, you know. But they were the pioneers of making consoles more than just a game console. Yeah, but well. they never lost sight of what it was. Well, I mean, Nintendo really is the only one who's only made game consoles. Yeah, I mean but, it, it really has but always I mean, just been. But a game I mean, console. like the this, every PlayStation is a legit game console that doesn't rely on gimmicks to sell itself. Although yeah. it ha- they've had gimmicks, but like Move. they abandoned them very quickly. iToy, iToy, yeah, uh, a few. Eye of Judgment, yeah. Well, that was iToy. Yeah, but I just I I include that one separately. A because it was so weird. It was weird. Uh, and B. Uh, because I had to watch a 10-minute presentation of that at the E3 2006 <laughs> press conference. The craziest press conference I have ever been to. Uh, 10th anniversary this year. Very excited. I hope they do something acknowledging the giant enemy crab and Ridge <laughs> that Racer. That really was a bizarre and I, I was press third conference. row center for that. Yeah. And I, w- I, I thought I was dreaming. I thought it was another. I was in another world. I, it was a meme generator, that whole thing. And I, I remember halfway through the Eye of Judgment, uh, the person next to me turns to me and goes, Fuck are we watching? Yeah. <laughs> no one knew what was happening. They kept cutting the like the the thing with the Africa trailer where I was like, yeah, the five. It was silent. Five hundred and ninety nine US dollars. Five hundred and ninety nine. Yeah, please be excited. Yeah. Um, it's like <laughs> please get a second job. Yeah, get a second job to afford your good old Ken Kutaragi Ridge Racer. Those were the days. All right, we got to move on. We're spending too much time on this, but I will be interested to see the comments. Um, on this episode, maybe you guys have theories that I haven't figured out yet about why Microsoft is doing this. I honestly can't fathom it. So I don't know. The only maybe they they just consider PC and console audiences so separate they don't think it's a thing. It could be, but, but I don't think that's wise. It's not wise at all, <laughs> at all. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next topic. We're going to talk about Fallout 4 DLC. Matt, I feel like we should have DLC for this game already. Hmm. Bethesda's has always been a little sluggish when it came to the DLC to these big things. I don't remember when the first DLC for uh, three came out in, in relation to its. Oh, you're losing your mic there a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't remember when the, the first DLC for three came out in relation to the release of the full game. Um, but it feels okay. I mean, the, my only issue is like, um, I'm not particularly interested in any of the DLC until May. Yeah, because, all right, so let's not start talking about it here. Yeah. The first DLC is called Automatron. It's coming in March. It's $10. Basically, what it introduces is there's a new mechanic that's in- inserted into the world who builds robots. Evil robots. Evil robots. So you fight evil robots. You can also acquire a robot as your mm. sidekick. Like, build your own. And then you can collect parts to build that robot, personalize mm. the robot, etc. $10. It's really interesting how Fallout has sort of become uh, Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts at yeah. this point. <laughs> yeah. You're right, it kind of has. Like, that was never really what I wanted out of my uh, open world apocalypse game. But I mean, it's not a bad thing. I, I like the robots in the game. I, I don't... I, can you tell I'm not really excited about this? Like, I don't care, really. It's cool. Well, you were like, a big proponent like a, of Fallout 4. Fallout 4 did not do it for me, really. I, I think it's, it was not the leap over 3 that Skyrim was over Oblivion. And I, th- I think the story is uh, disappointing even by Bethesda standards. So I just didn't... 
it, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't. I, don't, I, I played it for like twenty hours. I mean, it's not like I didn't like it. Yeah. But at a certain point, I just. Mm, and I, I meant to go back to it earlier this month, but then American Truck Simulator came out, and <laughs> apparently I would rather drive down a fake That's Highway what I'm Five saying. than uh, think about that. Yeah. You decided to play American Truck Simulator instead of finishing Fallout Four. That says a lot for the story in Fallout Four, by the way. Yeah. Not I, good things about I, the story. I can, I can tell you. Maybe if you gave me a truck in Fallout Four. Yeah. Oh, the other thing we should have mentioned right off the top, and what really kind of prompted us to to discuss this is that Bethesda decided that it was going to increase the price of the season pass. This is super weird. They're already talking about that in the chat right now. It it went. This from, is the main thing everybody yeah, is saying. It went from thirty dollars to fifty dollars. And you're like, what? What was the original plan? Yeah. Then? So here's the thing. Too. Second time that's happened recently. Anybody, with Dying Light. It is. Dying Light did it like a month or two ago. And here's the thing. Any of you guys watching this live on the stream, if you're going to buy the season pass, you should go and buy it right now. now. Like while we're doing this. Because I believe the price goes up tomorrow. I thought it was March 1st. I thought it was tomorrow. I think it's March 1st. Okay. Well, if it is March but... 1st and you're watching the archive of this on Sifted, you should make sure that you go and buy the season pass before the cutoff. Someone in the chat, look it up and tell the chat what it actually is. Yeah. I, I read March 1st, but that may have been an error. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And if it is, I gotta buy it too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's here's the thing. So we talked about the first pack. The second pack is even smaller. It's called Wasteland. It costs five dollars. It's coming in April. And basically all it does is give you new tools to build your settlements. And trap creatures and have like a Fallout 4 Pokemon pit fight thing. Yeah. On, which I don't I mean I guess that's kind of building off that, like, you know, where people would just spawn all the, th- you know, the thousand death claws. Or the th- right. like, I guess that's building off that idea. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the mods may have actually created this yeah, idea. Yeah, I, I think that may be true. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, there's people that love the, the building in that game and consider it its own game, really. And, and I didn't really... It didn't really hook me in that regard. I, th- I thought it was just kind of annoying. I thought it was just frivolous. And, like... Yeah. But, you know, it's good that you you know you kind of cater to everybody. Who's well, look, some game. people love Minecraft. Five bucks. Some that's people not... don't like Minecraft. I yeah. mean, that's really what it comes down to. Either you like building stuff in games, or you don't. Um, I did. I do like the mod that makes the the head of the Minutemen like leave you alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, until you talk to him. Like that. It's one of my favorite mods for Fallout Four. Is this is like okay, make just stop bugging. Because there was uh, there was a thing where like you have to like. Unless you, like, immediately run away from him. Like, you get the quest in your log and it never goes away unless you do it. And so right. if you don't want to get involved in that, you're sort of like, well, you're stuck now. Yeah. Um, but it's cool they're supporting that idea. I mean, you know, five bucks is... Five bucks is throwaway, yeah. typically. Although, I don't know. Some people don't think five or ten bucks is a throwaway charge. True. Um, well, it's, I mean, certainly not when it's, you know, well, we're slightly enhancing this thing that we... It's like, was there a reason that wasn't in the original game? Yeah. I don't know. That's a rabbit hole. I don't usually go down. But So the third pack is the one everyone is waiting for. It's right. called Far Harbor. It's $25 for DLC. That's big. So we add all this up here before we talk about Far Harbor. I assume that's a pretty robust... It, yeah, it like... is. So 25 for Far Harbor, 5 bucks for Wasteland, that's 30 plus $10 for Automatron. There you're at $40. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that extra their original bucks? cost was, our, was only 30 and this isn't the last of the DLC. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Far Harbor quickly. Um, basically, it creates a whole new quest line for Valentine's Detective Agency that leads to a new island that you travel to. 
Mm-hmm. And on the island, there's Sense, uh, New Children of Adam. Um, it basically is like the first real story yeah. DLC. $25, Matt. Like, it makes me wonder, is that, like, way more robust? That's than half of what you paid for the whole freaking yeah. game. I mean, are we going to get 15 or 20 hours out of that DLC? Maybe. I mean, Maybe. that's not really how that's not how, that's not how they rolled, although a couple <laughs> of them were pretty long, although long also can translate into tedious. Uh, the Pit, right. anyone? Yeah. Uh, but, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, like, the new uh, Blood and Wine Witcher expansion is going to be, like, 30, to 30 hours, they say. But, of course, that's, like... Ten bucks, right? So, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know what is happening here with that. So, that, so that is, I mean, that's more than most game season passes, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, to just see these three things here, that stuff's not to me. It's not worth forty dollars. I would. I mean, I don't so. even know how long Far Harbor is or how involved Far Harbor is, but forty bucks for this—that's a lot, man. So. Like Far Harbor would need to be like a whole other game, pretty much, or at least like half of. Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. Like, I would need to get half of what I got out of Fallout 4. Because the other part, too, is you've already invested in this. So, if you ask me for $30 for half of Fallout 4, I'm still going to say, screw off, even mm-hmm. though that makes sense, thinking about a $60 retail and half of that for 30 bucks. When I've already invested the money in the base game, I don't expect to keep paying the same rate for that same amount of playtime. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm crazy for thinking that way, but that's just what I've been conditioned to believe and think. Also, this part well, of Fallout to... 4, by the way, was the most annoying part of Fallout 4 for me. <laughs> like, I hated this part of the game, man. I had to try it like five times before I finally got through it. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I just... So, here, let's go back to the fact that they changed the price of the season pass. So, we can see already that individually, if you add these up, it's already more than the 30 bucks they were originally yeah. asking. Which is like, you know, sometimes a season pass gets you like, you know, 10 bucks off the total right. or something like that. Like, So maybe that was the original plan. Right. But they've got more. Or maybe Wasteland Workshop wasn't the original plan. Or, and they've added that, and they've added a couple other like trinket-y things. Or thing maybe kind of Far things. Harbor like, ended up becoming bigger than they thought, and they thought they could get more money for it. Like, that just seems like so much money, and like... Especially for for something where it's like, okay, the tools are in place, the engine, everything's there. You just have to make the content. You know, it's basically like you're right. building new levels, and yeah. like you don't have to overhaul you're tons of stuff. You're cutting and pasting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that it doesn't take talent and time, right, but right. it's like, 25 bucks? Yeah, yeah, and so... Like, that's how much Firewatch costs. Exactly, like, yeah. Well, Firewatch is only a couple it's hours. A few hours, hours <laughs> but you look at Firewatch and look at all the work that went right, in making right. it, making it look like that, and do it. It's like, is it going to be as, you know, robust in terms of an environment as that? Right. Highly doubtful. Probably. Based upon the... I mean, you'll be able to pick up a lot of pine cones, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm so, wondering if they're going to, you know, if there's going to be like like the... I uh, can't remember the name of it at Fallout 3, but there was the one uh, expansion that was basically like Lovecraft in like the swamps Oh, yeah, and yeah stuff. I remember that. Like, I wonder if this is going to have any of that, because like... It's, Maybe... Just the little little cl- the little screenshots I've seen, like you know, in Far Harbor, and like it's kind of often like some one of the you know, maybe we might have some Innsmouth. Actually, I'd be, I'd be into that. Yeah, some, some weird. Uh, I, I like to see it get real weird. So I'm wondering too if they bumped up the prices of these individual DLC packs once they announced that they the season pass was going to go up. Hmm. So maybe originally Far Harbor was more reasonable, fifteen dollars, but they're like, well, if we're going to ask for more money for the season pass, we need to make the individual components of the season pass more expensive so people can rationalize the increased cost. 
The other part of it, too, is that they're asking you for an extra 10 bucks for the season pass above what's shown here. You have no idea what, it, what that extra $10 is going to get you. No idea at all. They haven't announced anything. So they're saying, you're going to get these three. You're going to pay an extra 10 bucks for something that could be another Wasteland. Another $5 expansion that's just like... I'll tell you, I mean, I'm interested enough in Far Harbor that I probably will just buy it before March 1st and pay the $30, you know, and save right. 20 bucks. And, and I'm sure that's all part of the plan, too. Look, otherwise, they would have changed the cost of the season pass the day they announced it. That would not have been good... PR handling though that would that would that was a, there'd be backlash on that so hard. But maybe their it. whole plan was we announce it and then we set the date for it to switch like two weeks out so that it just drives crazy amounts of subscriptions or, yeah. or revenue. Because look, personally, I'm kind of looking in this. I'm in this position because right all now. of a sudden you're saving twenty bucks. Right. So you know everyone's talking about and I'm talking about trying to bring some of the guys from GT over and you know to do that we would have to increase the annual subscription cost of Sifted and so. I'm kind of in this position of how do you go about doing that? Do you announce it and then immediately increase the price? Or do you announce it and say, you've got a week to, to pay the old price? What, what's more acceptable? I think you got to give them a grace period. Yeah, I think the grace, the way they're doing the, you know, dying light. But a lot of people thing. might say, well, that's you trying to like squeeze people to come and subscribe, threatening them with, well, in a week it's going to go up X amount of dollars. You well, know what I'm saying? I don't think there's an easy. There's answer. no perfect solution. Right. But like, <laughs> I as a consumer prefer it when you know if the price hike's coming, you give me some warning and let me get in on that, you know, on that better price at least one last time. Yeah. Again, uh, I'd be interested to hear comments. I did, I, you know, and I did it with Dying Light. I did buy the cheaper, you know, before the, the price went up because I knew I wanted to play that. And I'll probably, you know, it's only five. You know, the, the price before March first is only five bucks more than Far Harbor in general. Right. So you know, if they do, you know, if they're going to do, it makes me really think that like they jacked the price of that up. Twenty five dollars is a weird price for that. Like it's a weird price for that kind of content expansion. Yeah. So yeah, you gotta wonder. I don't. I don't know. I mean, we don't know one way or the other what's happening inside over there. Uh, but it does. If that is what happened, that's a that's a that's a little slimy. I mean, look, Bethesda could have data that is showing them people are bailing on this game quicker than they bailed on Skyrim or quicker than they bailed on Fallout Three, and so maybe they're like people are leaving this game in droves. The DLC, the really good DLC, isn't going to be ready until May. Think about that. Mm. That is really late for a DLC, for the first, like, legit DLC. So you think maybe, like, Automatron and Wasteland Workshop might be like, oh, we'll just get some, get something out there. Right, like, right. You know. And so they're worried that maybe by the time May comes around and E3 is here and all the big games are starting to come out for 2016, that people are like, mm -hmm. that's what I'm thinking. Like, maybe that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get people to buy it now. They, they really don't want people to buy it at 50 bucks. They just want people to buy it now at 30 because they're afraid later on no one's going to buy it. Hmm. I don't know. It's possible. It's definitely possible. Even plausible. Even plausible. Maybe even more plausible than possible. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> then you're looking at a season pass that's 10 bucks less than the whole game. Right. And with that because that's where it gets real weird is like that's not you know i mean obviously like battlefront has a 50 dollars season pass you know battlefield 4 had a 50 dollars season pass so it's not like crazy that a season pass would cost that but when you're talking about a, sh a multiplayer centric shooter versus a 200 hour rpg 
that you've paid 60 bucks for well, you're like, well, then if, if you are then going to charge me $50 for expansion content for that 200-hour RPG, why would I get only, like, 30 hours of content for 50 bucks when I just got 200 hours for 60 Yeah. The so, other thing, like, too, with shooters is, like, you get new maps and weapons. You could use those till the end of time. Right. Like, Whereas this content's going to be consumed and completed. It's and, finite. Yeah. Eventually, like, look, you can try to squeeze as much as you want out of it, but it is finite, and eventually you're going to come to a place where you quit playing. There are still mm-hmm. people playing Black Ops 2. There's 10 million people a month playing Black Ops 2 online still, so... I don't know. Like like the graphic says, moving goalposts. They're moving the goalpost. And meanwhile, again... Why are trying to kick the field How many goal? times have we said it? Like, the worst thing about Fallout 4 is it came out the same year as The Witcher 3. Yeah. Um... The Witcher 3 season pass is 20 bucks. Yeah. And it gives you about 50 hours of content between the two things. Yep. And that's not even including the 16 free things. And get. like it or not, Bethesda is going to be held to that flame. Yeah. The people are going to look at and The Bethes- Witcher. And Fallout 4 is made by a much smaller, uh, or much uh, larger and well-funded team and company than sure. CD Projekt Red. Yeah. So you got to wonder, like, what's, what's the difference? What's the disparity here? Are people going to care about Fallout 4 DLC in May? Are they going to care, Matt? I don't know if I will. I really like Fallout 4 a lot. I'll I'll probably get to it. I don't know if I will. I mean, at that point, 2016 is going to be kicking us in the ass. There's going to be so many games to get through. About to move into E3 season. And look, Bethesda... And No Man's Sky is coming up, at which point I will disappear forever. (laughs) We will see about that one. (laughs) But... I yeah, but that's a smart, and I just think that they're looking on down the road. And they're like, we can't get this D- this real DLC done mm-hmm. until then. Like, we need to get people to pay for it now because. And it's like a little disturbing because, like, if I recall correctly, I can't remember all the DLC expansions for Fallout Three, but if I remember correctly, uh, similar to Skyrim. Uh, Bethesda's last DLC is usually the best DLC for yeah, a particular Yeah, you're game. right. Yeah, which is a shame. <laughs> um, which inevitably ends up being the one nobody plays. Right, exactly. Um, because it takes so long. Yeah. But I remember, if I remember correctly, the uh, uh, the last DLC for Fallout 3 was my favorite. I can't remember which one that was. Was it Mothership? The Mothership one? The Alien one? Yeah, I think it was. I think yeah. that was it. Yeah, and then... Uh, I really like the... The Mothership Zeta? Is that what it was Yeah, called? yeah, that's it. And then the um, the final expansion... Because there are only three for Skyrim, but the, yeah. the, the vampire thing was pretty cool. Yeah. Vampire werewolf thing was pretty that's cool. That's where it really flipped it on its yeah. head. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, if, if Far Harbor... Which is fine. Up, yeah, but the last if, one, it's But if like... Far Harbor and stuff like this is gets that crazy with it, like, I'm into that. Like, I, yeah. I, I want that. I want, you know, like, Fallout 4, I, if, if anything, I thought had too little surprise to me. It was I just... Agree. I just played, I'd played it before, and if Far yeah. Harbor and whatever follows it gives me some stuff that I'm just like, you know, wow, you really took this and like, you know, turned, you know, turned the kaleidoscope a quarter turn and like, now everything's like different. Like, I, I'm super in on that. Like, yeah. if, I'll make time to play it in May if it's something like that. I hope it is. I highly doubt I'll be able to play it in May. <laughs> I wish I could say I will be able to, but I just, I don't see it. I, mean, I don't remember, I can't remember the schedule well enough to know what we're going to be playing in May, Yeah, frankly. Um, I'm just basing it on every year ever. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, but I, like, I mean, hell, man, I'm, I'm playing Dying Light again with the following, and yeah. I never thought I'd go back to that game. Right. You know, you know, sometimes that was released in, what, March of last year? Is that yeah, right? February last February, year. February, yeah. Uh, right before we started our first game phase. Right. Remember, that came like a week or two before that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you never know. Like, if, if it's quality content, I will make time for it to go back and play it again. And I just hope that's the case here. 
Um, and I would hope that that's the case in why you're charging 25 goddamn dollars for it. For one piece of it, yeah. yeah. All right, time to move on to the next topic of the big six. Another, actually, this is a, a story that's twofold. So the first thing that happened was one of Sony's European executives, who was basically the head of PlayStation VR in Europe, stepped down. I think it was five days ago. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird, because you're like, okay, you're the head of PlayStation VR in Europe, and the thing launches in, like, three months. Yeah, maybe you could just hold on for a few months in terms, just in terms of consumer confidence. And you're leaving. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people may have seen that and just been like, oh, somebody left, you got another job. No, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "There's that's weird. No, that's very weird. There's something, that's a red flag to me. Yeah. And so then... Usually I, in that situation, you'd at least, especially at a high level like that, you'd at least be like... You know, some deal will be cut where it's like, hey, at least like just stick around until we get the product out on shelves and like, you know, just to keep up appearances and you know, something would would have been worked out. Yeah, it's it's weird that someone that high level in this project would disappear right before you're about to throw it at us. Yep, and then two days ago, GameStop, good old GameStop, <laughs> second only to LinkedIn in leaking video game related and Amazon stuff. Germany. Right, Amazon Germany does that a lot too. <laughs> GameStop's, I think it was the CEO or some executive at GameStop said that PlayStation VR is not coming out until Q4 of this year. Originally announced to be coming out in Q2 or around April, May time mm-hmm. frame, you know, basically right before E3 type type deal. Matt, is this like a death knell for PlayStation VR? Because look, we don't know yet. Vive says, I was also saying Q2, mm-hmm. 2016. We do know Oculus is coming out. Is it too, is it going to be a case of too, literally like too little, too late for PlayStation VR in I think that's Q4? What was, I think that's what that was going to be no matter when they launched it. Really? I don't think the PlayStation 4 can do the level of visual fidelity for VR that people are going to be expecting. Like, that people are going to be expecting to play stuff like The Last of Us in VR. It's just not going to happen. No, no. Like, well, I, think, I mean, they could pull off... The Last of Us on PlayStation Three in VR, it couldn't pull off like yeah the remaster probably right. in VR. I mean, but you got, you got this thing, you know. The, we've already had to deal with the fact that these, this, you know, the PlayStation Four, while it is more powerful than the Xbox One marginally, it's still pretty underpowered. It can't do 1080p on a regular basis. Yeah. So like the idea that you want this thing to do games that can't even run at that level, now you want it to run it to run them twice. Yeah. One for each eye at a high frame rate because a, a low frame rate or a, or a sketchy frame rate is going to mess with your brain. And it's got to be a high resolution as, as possible. You're going you're gonna to end up with last-gen games, basically. Equipped well, you've seen globals. some of the games, but, like but the 100-foot robot golf, the right. zombie I mean, taxi company. Look, they're not but graphically look, mind-blowing No, games. they're not. But I'm, what I'm saying is, like, the Oculus and the Vive, is it? Yeah. Like, that stuff's running on, like, you know, moderate, moderate to high-end PCs, and those yeah. are going to look really good. Yeah, yeah. And then, in con- contrast, the PlayStation VR is basically going to be a Kinect. Yeah. That you're going to pay a lot more for than you paid for Connect. I mean, and people talk about, oh my God, why isn't like you know, no, even I talked about it, No Man's Sky. Why wouldn't that be in VR? Well, because I don't think it can run it. Yeah, I'm really starting to wonder if that's the case. To be honest with you, I mean, look, some of the games for PlayStation VR look pretty good. Rigs looks pretty good on their technical yeah. level. Um, there's a couple that you know, London Heist. I feel like looks pretty good. Um, but so, I mean, the bigger factor here is Matt. People are not going to be able to afford to buy 
every VR helmet. They're no, just you not. Make a I, I can't afford it. Like right now, I'm sitting here. Like my birthday just passed, and my wife is like, "What do you want for your birthday?" And like I'm at a point in my life where I don't really want like anything mm-hmm. anymore. Like I have a car, I have a place to sleep at night, and I have video game consoles. <laughs> like I'm very simple. Like the older I get, the less I care about frivolous things like buying a new pair of shoes or whatever. Like I just. I don't. Really, He's not even wearing shoes. Yeah, I'm barefoot right now, Fred Flintstone <laughs> style. That's how I got here. I yabba dabba dude over here. So I don't really care about like a lot of stuff. My wife's like, "What do I get you anymore?" I'm like, "Well, there is one thing I want. Like, I want a VR helmet." And she's like, "Well, okay, like that's really expensive." And I was like, "Yes, okay, it's Ender. What do you?" Right. Want? And I'm like, "So, well, what about if we split it? And like, you pay for half, and then I pay for the other half." And she's like, "That's still really expensive for a birthday present." <laughs> And then I reminded her what I got her for her birthday, and uh, no. So so basically, I'm in a position where I'm not going to buy them all, and it, by the looks of it, I'm not getting any of them free. No one from Oculus has reached out to us and said that they were sending us one. So I'm in a position where I have to decide which one I want. Like, And I'm really like thinking about getting Oculus. Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think Oculus... I want Vive. Here's what I'll say. I want Vive. Because I know Vive is the best experience, but I think it's going to cost like eight or $900. Yeah. I think Oculus is going to be the PlayStation 2 of this race, basically. The, the, you know, maybe it's not the most powerful, maybe not the cutting-edge tech compared to some of the competitors, but I think it's the one that's going to have the support. It's, it's going to have the most be. content. And in terms of PlayStation VR, it's like, why would you pick the one that's like stuck in the what would be the equivalent of a walled garden? You know, like, that's going to only work on Sony consoles, and it's only going to work with the stuff Sony can make work with it, whereas, like, the Oculus is going to have, you know, you have the whole realm of PC-dom, like, part, laid see, out in front of you. Pactor makes, makes the argument that to run VR, and he's said this several times on Pactor Factor, you need a GPU and a CPU, and that a lot of people don't have GPUs and CPUs strong enough in their PC to run VR, which is totally true, but... Everybody who owns a PlayStation 4 has a CPU and a GPU capable of running VR. Granted, it's not mm-hmm. to the level of what you get with Oculus or Do they Oculus also have a, a PlayStation Eye? Do they also have a Move controller? Do they all, I mean, there's all this extra stuff. Because that's the thing is, like, you look, you know, those little, on the leaks where it's showing, like, you know, the, oh, it costs, like, 400 and whatever dollars for the... For the PlayStation VR, it's like, yeah, but that's just a headset. It's not yeah. the bundle that's like a hundred something, two hundred more. You get the more. headset and you get that piece of hardware that looks the size of like a yeah, Wii. little video boxy thing. Yeah, I don't that know what that is. is. But you also need the camera, and you also need you you know you need the controllers for. Do you them. need the PlayStation Eye? I understand it. I thought you didn't. I think, but you if do. you're going to use Move, I, I think if you're going to yeah, if you're going to use anything that uses a Move controllers, mm-hmm. you have to have the camera. Yeah, and I think a lot of this stuff is using that. Oh, you're right, and I think maybe even the headset. It has those it knows, blue lights yeah. across the top how it knows the where you're moving your head. I think you're right, yeah. So there's a lot more to this than, you know, you're, you're going to end up spending about 600 bucks on this thing. I bought the eye at launch. Maybe I would finally use it for something. I have the eye. No, I don't have. I it's have been the, sitting unplugged next I don't to my have, PlayStation 4. I don't have the PS4 eye. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to buy a whole new. And I just don't, I don't see anything on that except for Ace Combat. I, I love Ace Combat. I would play Ace Combat. I wouldn't be shocked if Ace Combat eventually comes to Oculus and Vive either, though. True. True. I just, I, I don't, it's not, it's, it's a... It's a it's a stupid human trick right now for me. It's not going to change how I play anything. Not gonna is this going to screw PlayStation VR? I mean, is it going to doom it to failure? I don't know. I I I'm not really expecting much out of PlayStation VR in terms of whether it came out in Q2 or Q4. I don't think people want to spend another six hundred dollars. 
I don't think people think the PlayStation 4 experience is a $1,000 experience. Yeah. You know? You've already spent 400 for this thing. Now you want 400 more for this headset and maybe more for the move controllers and the, and the camera. Like, that's crazy. Especially in this, like, economy. And, and I think I don't... Nintendo is praying to God that this isn't true. Because, look, I still don't think NX is coming this year. And there's been rumors over the last week saying it is, it isn't, blah, blah, blah. I still don't think it is. Even so... Even if NX comes out in the first quarter of next year, like, Nintendo doesn't want any part of that. It doesn't want any part of PlayStation VR. Like, because the install base already of PlayStation 4, and by then, will be even, mm. be even bigger. And you're trying to get some of those people who own a PlayStation 4 to make the NX its second their second console. And if you're trying to do that at the same time that PlayStation comes out with their VR helmet... And the NX is just a console, which mm-hmm. who knows what it's going to be. It could be something crazy, awesome, who knows. I don't know. If it is just a console... I don't see no VR Zelda in PlayStation VR. Yeah. That would be really bad for Nintendo, but I also think it'd be really bad for Sony. I just... It'd dilute both things. Because here's the thing. if When Oculus comes out, the games are going to be rough at first. We, we know that. Yeah. But over time, they're going to get better, and so... That's the thing about Oculus, though, is I feel like once you get Oculus, you're probably not going to have to replace it anytime soon or you know if i had some more it's built for pc right and like the pc will evolve with it whereas the yeah. you know the, the playstation 4 is kind of trapped in what it is and like well, PlayStation... maybe the next you know i would hope the playstation 5 would also support playstation vr right. should it be successful i'm assuming that they're building playstation vr to be able to move from one right. generation to the next but is that you know is it you know what i don't i'm not familiar you know intimately with with the, the specs of the hardware on the on the vr like are the on the monitors in the thing High res enough to handle like a 4K system next year. Not 4K. Well, then what do you what do you even think? But you don't about? need 4K when the screen is that close to your eye, though. True, but it's just like I, I feel like this stuff is all so early and rough. You know that that I you know the, the Oculus seems like the smarter move to me on every conceivable level. I'm really starting to lean that way, to be honest. And with I don't you. want. I mean, I should I should point out i probably am not going to buy a vr headset i definitely I am i'm just trying to figure out which i'm going one to use gonna yours be. <laughs> so, <laughs> you totally feel free to. um but like you know if i was if someone held a gun to my head and said you have to buy one of these three things i would buy an oculus sight unseen basically yeah I, for one thing the, the oculus is the one i've used that i was most impressed by yeah um vive is way better like yeah, I don't, I don't you i don't you haven't played it yet or you would know you would right. not say that i mean i believe you but it's like um, I just you know I you know the, the most powerful thing doesn't usually win in this industry. No, you're right. It's usually it the rarely best ever. It's, whatever it's all about software. the library. Again, back to some Pactor says all the time about yeah. Nintendo. It's like until Nintendo gets third party support, it's going to be yep. fighting an uphill battle, and yep. that's the truth. So I don't know. I'm, I'm so, still on the I'm, fence. Yeah, I'm I'm standing back and waiting to see how the fight goes. I mean, or, honestly, yeah. once I see the price of Vive, that's when I'll pull the trigger. I mean, honest, right now, I would say there's really zero chance of me making PlayStation VR the one that I buy. Mm-hmm. The first one I'm going to buy is probably going to be either Oculus or Vive. And then if Sony comes in at a reasonable price, then that would maybe be something I add as like my second, right. which it seems insane. To, I'm buying my oh, second, second VR. virtual reality but headset. Some, but some people would say that about game consoles in general right, as right. well. And in this situation, in this, in this VR equation, Sony is Nintendo. Yeah. You're right, it is. It's like walled off it's in like, this... Do you want to play that Mario game? Do you want to play that Zelda game? Do you want to play Splatoon? Get a Wii U. Yeah. 
Well, in Sony's case, it's going to be like, do you want to play The Last of Us 2 in VR? I don't think that's going to happen. What would would that make you cave, Matt, if The Last of Us well, 2... Well, no, because I don't really like The Last of Us oh, that much. Well, but, go. like, I don't think The Last of Us 2 could... I don't think the PlayStation VR could... I don't think the system can run two screens of that game to do I don't think they used the engine they built the PlayStation 3 version on. You think the people... Yeah, but that's going to disappoint people who just want to play the game. People are going to be disappointed. Yeah, you're right. People are going to be disappointed, I think, in the visuals in PlayStation VR games, no matter what. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're going to look but what at I'm their saying, PlayStation 4 and be like, what I'm why saying is like, crap? The Last of Us was one of the lushest games of the end of last generation. Yeah. People are expecting the sequel to be the equivalent for this generation. It's probably in Naughty Dog's best interest to not hamstring that game's visuals by trying to make it work in VR. I don't think anyone cares about VR. I think people would still buy it, and it could be the killer app for PlayStation VR, though. I don't think that's going to happen. This is all bullcrap, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. This is not happening. Like, no. They're still trying to get Uncharted done, and we're already <laughs> we're saying they're going to release The Last of Us 2 at the end of the year. So, I you know, delaying this... I'll tell you what would get me to buy a PlayStation VR, or any VR. I mean, you put this on any... Okay, you come back and be like, hey, we're doing X-Wing, TIE Fighter, or we're doing, like, Rogue Squadron. Right. And we're doing we're it on this. Cockpit, it's yeah. exclusively on PlayStation VR. Well, you can take my money right now. Yeah. That's it. That's about the only thing I can think of. Getting back on topic, I think the big issue for Sony, if they really do delay PlayStation VR to Q4, is the comparison. Mm-hmm. You're going to have seven months of people experiencing Oculus, for sure. Possibly Vive. Mm-hmm. And then, seven months down the road, here comes PlayStation VR. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Like, so let's say Q4. So let's say it comes out like early November, right? Like yeah. right around there, like, yeah. right around Call of Duty time. Yeah. Um, so now you're going to have had the Oculus in the news for you know about four or five months. People are going to be talking about it. people. Are going to, oh my, have, that's so expensive. You know, oh, gonna, it's very well, expensive, but you're it's also cool, going to have uh, the crazy YouTube videos of right. people, the right. reaction video. I mean, so what if it's going to turn into a huge? But deal. what if now you go to the store or Best Buy or Walmart or whatever, and you see PlayStation VR? PlayStation VR is only about four fifty. That's yeah. like way cheaper than Oculus, and we can have this VR experience. It's Christmas. It's it's impulse buy time. It's like, oh, let's get a PlayStation VR. It could work in their favor. That's its only chance. That's the only chance it has. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, but like, it needs to come in at like three fifty. It needs to be, you know, it's substantially less than the Oculus. Yeah. I mean, you're already seeing like you know unsubstantiated, but rumors of people's like, oh, PlayStation VR could be eight hundred dollars. I'm just like, well, you're, that's crazy. That'd that's be dead crazy in the water. Time. Yeah, I don't think that's true at all. But Sony's like, not that stupid. But they kind of, they did release a six hundred dollar PlayStation yeah, Three. <laughs> but it, but you but it comes down to this whole thing where it's like you know if Oculus is telling the truth and there's no reason to think they aren't that they're selling at or below cost. Can Sony afford to do that? Vive clearly doesn't want, doesn't care. Like they don't want to, or they yeah. can't because they cost, you know, it's, it's they cost more than the Oculus does. Yeah. To you make. also have to install things like on your ceiling for Vive. Like, yeah, it's Vi- like you're Vive like is a, a surround. It is, yeah, but yeah. it's worth the commitment. Like the experience yeah. is so much better than well, yeah, I would say both. Yeah, like significantly. But I also think that's going to play out in a significantly higher price for mm-hmm. for it, which is why we probably haven't heard. Anything about the price for Vive yet? Well, so. I think it's interesting. We haven't heard anything about the price for PlayStation VR either. Yeah, I mean that to me says they're they're still talking. Maybe they're waiting, trying to get the components cheaper to build it cheaper because mm-hmm. they're realizing Doing that the, crunching the numbers, seeing if they can get away with selling it like maybe a little below. Because like it or not, people are going to look at PlayStation VR as an accessory for the PlayStation Four. That's the bottom line. Yeah. No one's gonna be like, no, I look at this as a new system. No one's gonna no. say that. Like, no, I already bought the system. I spent four hundred or whatever they, I spent for this. Like. This should be cheaper than the base system. 
And if they can't get that thing to 350, 299, so maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're like, okay, well, we can get the components down a little bit. Maybe we can get the price down another 100 bucks if we wait till the end of the year. I don't know. Or maybe they just don't feel like they have the software lineup yet to launch it, which I would probably agree with a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, you can only play so much Eve Valkyrie. And you know, and hey, you, you know I am I'm... sick, by the way, of playing Eve Valkyrie because every <laughs> time you check out PlayStation VR, they're like, here's Eve Valkyrie because that's the one game that you play that it doesn't look bad. And yeah. a lot of that is because it's set in space. So you don't have to build a whole world out of polygons. You just, whatever ships are in space, throw a bitmap behind them, you're done. Yep. Which is, so it gets away with things that normal games wouldn't get away with. So I can't see any situation. Unless the price ends up being significantly cheaper, where this is a good thing for PlayStation VR for it to be delayed to the end of the year. Certainly not a good sign, probably. No. I... Lots of head shaking going on on episode 37 of Game Face. Yeah, I don't know. We're, 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 we're puzzled this week, man. We're confused. We're, we're cynical. <laughs> we're bewildered. We're like, I'm not we're... even cynical. I just I can't figure out the strategy behind a lot of this stuff. I don't know how much of it is strategy and how much of it is just, you know, reality running headlong into your battle plans. That could be. Yeah. So, we'll see. I mean, I thought it... Here's the thing. GDC typically is VR. Crazy. Like, that's where the developers get their hands on it. That's where they... the, The platform holders try to convince the developers to work on their platforms. I really thought that GDC, once again, would be a big year for PlayStation VR. Now I'm really starting to wonder... Um, I even thought maybe they might announce the price of PlayStation VR at GDC mm-hmm. and the release date. But now... I think you're really going to run into problems if that thing costs more than the PlayStation 4. Oh, yeah. I'd agree. I and mean, and remember, the PlayStation sell. 4 is 350 now with the with a bundle. Yep. With a bundle. Yeah. With, like, a game and all that. And if you're going like, to... How do you convince the average consumer that your glorified 3D glasses are worth more than what they paid for the console? Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough sell. So... We'll see. I mean, it could happen at GDC that Sony just comes out and does announce the price and the launch date, and all this was a bunch of bullcrap. But uh, hmm. I would be surprised if that's the case because yeah. Sony hasn't come out and said that no, that's not true. And they lost an executive who was one of the leaders of the project. So I think we're not going to hear a price till till E3, and that's if we're lucky. Yeah, that's what I would guess. Price and release date at E3, but I thought the thing was going to be out before then. So five hundred ninety nine US dollars. That would be insane. <laughs> it's not happening, Matt. I don't believe it. All right, let's move on to the next topic. We're going to talk about our old friends at a studio who is that is notorious for trying to drum up controversy. That game is Destructive Creations, appropriately named, yeah. I might add. And their last game was called Hatred. If you guys don't remember Hatred, it was basically this completely vapid isometric third-person shooter that followed a serial killer. Yeah. Diablo with people. As he relentlessly killed everybody. Mm -hmm. Civilians, cops, whatever. He was just on a rampage to kill everything and anything. Barely postal. It read, like, the the diary of, like, the two kids that were behind Columbine. Like, Mm -hmm. that's that was the vibe I got from this game. And you can see it here. We're showing it right now. So... Basically, what they did was they Nothing created the budget for color. Apparently, yeah, they created this game that created a huge uproar and all this controversy. The trailers for it, the first ones that they released, were just completely depraved and disgusting. And basically, they got a ton of free marketing out of it. It got a lot of people looking at the game. It got everybody doing less plays of the game. You know, this was just like a little indie release, but you saw all the major outlets doing live streams with the game. 
And granted, every live streamer like this game sucks. It's a piece of crap. It's nothing special, but it got them to play it in the first place, which people probably wouldn't have touched the game if it was just a typical isometric twin stick shooter that didn't have this depraved content. So that leads to this week. And this week, Destructive Creations, again, aptly named. I like it when people call them the hatred developers. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good name, too. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same in the Destructive Creations. Yeah. (laughs) They announced a new game this week. And this game is called Isis Defense, or IS Defense. IS Defense. But it really is Isis Defense. So, essentially, this game, and you're seeing it right now, is a, a shooter that takes place entirely from behind turrets. And basically what you do is you just mow down ISIS fighters, which... Who are inexplicably uh, invading a beach. Yeah, it looks like they're storming Normandy. They're storm- yeah, they're storming southern Europe somehow. Yeah, well, they don't have boats, so I, w- I wonder how that would be possible. Look, uh, we're not talking about this for its historical accuracy. <laughs> Where'd they get Humvees from? Yeah. What the hell is that? Well, they steal ours after we leave them behind, but that's actually one part of it that is kind of realistic. They do have Humvees, but... Humvees can drive across the Mediterranean. Right. Yeah. It's very impressive. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So here's here's the thing about this. One, this is kind of a topic that I think for games might be a little taboo. Yeah, well. It's cathartic. Look, it's, ask Fugitive Hunter about that. Right, right. Roundhouse kicking Osama Bin Laden into a Black Hawk helicopter. Exactly, yeah. So it might be a little bit touchy. Look, it's going to be totally cathartic for people to be able to just mow down ISIS. Yeah, I think, I'm not going to say this game doesn't have an audience. No, yeah. I mean, look. Oh, it's that's the thing. This will sell way better than Hatred. I guarantee it. Once this starts... And I'm surprised no one else has talked about this game this week. Like, it's... The trailer came out. Nobody really mentioned it or thought about how messed up it was. As soon as I saw it, I was like, what the... So, here's the thing. It's going to be cathartic to mow down ISIS. Everybody's going to want to do it. I want to do it. Matt, you'll probably want to do it. I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know if I want to do it in the sense of giving money to these guys. Right, right, because they're pretty much scumbags. But here's the angle that I wonder if this studio thought about is making themselves a target. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about Charlie Hebdo in France. The Where are these guys? Do we know? Poland. Oh, I was going to say, if you're in America, you're probably okay. but uh, Maybe. I mean, think about what happened in San Bernardino. Like, I don't think that was ISIS-related. Well, it was ISIS-related. These people thought they were a part of ISIS. Mm. ISIS was just like, whatever. But here's the thing. like, These people were working in Poland on this game. Like, Would you work on this game, Matt? No, but that's because I wasn't all that big of a fan of incoming in the first place. So. Right. But it's, I'm it's just a, saying... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lame... You know, I mean, it looks better than Hatred in terms of graphical fidelity, at least. But it's just like another, you know, outrage sells. You know, you can, oh, look how bad we are by making another, like, controversial game about you know, about modern events kind of thing. It, you know, it's not the kind of thing I would want to be known for. Look, I'm not talking about, like, would you want to be known for it. I'm talking about, like, would you want to go to work in that office every day and eventually have to walk out of that office at night? Hmm... Probably it's probably not as safe as making Mafia Three. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say that for sure. I mean, look, these guys, these whack jobs, killed a bunch of people for drawing cartoons, Matt. 
Well, yeah, but... How do you think they're going to react when they see this trailer of hordes of them getting mowed down with chain guns? Well, there's nothing in the Koran about not mowing down them, these guys, with chain guns. There is something about not doing a visual depiction of Muhammad. That's what... That's why there was such a... You look, know, why they, they don't... Look, are you really going to say... Oh, I am going to say that because that because is the an actual... Because the Koran doesn't say yeah. it. Those guys don't care about the Koran. The Koran doesn't tell them to but indiscriminately the, kill people. But that's people. the excuse. That's, that's, that's the, the, the in they have to get people whipped up into that kind of a frenzy. You don't have any... The fact that people want to kill what ISIS... What in do they have to rape women and, like, murder innocent people? There's nothing in the Koran that says that. Like, you can't... These guys are psychos, Matt. And it's like, it's not just a couple of them. Like, they've managed to create, like, 20,000 psychopaths who will do whatever their leader tells them to do. I mean, it has nothing to do with the Quran. The Quran teaches peace. Like, they've perverted their religion to convince these people to do things like kill themselves for nothing. Is it really that hard to believe that they can't convince a few people online in Poland to go over to the offices of this developer and do something crazy? Like, dude, I would never work on this game. Ever. I will be surprised if that happens. Really? Yes. I don't think anyone would even necessarily know about this. I don't think it's as big as, as, as enough that anybody would care. But really? Like, you don't think ISIS would care about this game? I don't think it's on the level of, of an of a internationally circulated satirical magazine like Charlie Hebdo, no. Um, I don't know. Especially because, like, I think if it, would, if it was more, maybe more racist, or if it had more, like, caricatures going on, or more, like, depictions of ISIS leaders or something like that. Like, well, maybe... we don't know what's in the game yet. Well, they right. only put out this one minute. I mean, maybe there's some cutscenes in here that's just nothing but cartoons of Muhammad, and yeah, then, mean, they're, then they're blown. Let's stop a second and think about, this is Destructive Creations, by the way, who mm. made Hatred. Yeah, I mean, there could be some crazy stuff in there. Right. Um, clearly, they think it's worth the risk. I don't know what... I think they're insane. I think they are completely insane for doing this. And look, I don't want to ever say that anything should be censored. Ever. Well, there are certain things. Well, that wouldn't be... Not doing it is not censoring it. You're just deciding, you know, maybe I won't run into traffic. No, I'm just saying, personally, I'm not saying, you shouldn't make games like this. Like, I'm... You should be censored. You should be allowed to make games like this. I'm just saying, one, for their safety, I think it's a terrible idea. But Mm. two, I also think just as a general philosophy within video games, that it's a really bad idea as well because you're poking the beehive, you're poking the bear. It's like, we don't need more crappy news reporting about video games. Like, what happens Like, if they do something stupid and they're like, that's because of that stupid ISIS defense game and we're coming for them next? Like, Fox News is going to love this game. Right. Um, Fox <laughs> News doesn't count when you're talking about stuff like this, though. I mean, let's be honest. It It's poking the bear. It's sticking the stick in the hornet's nest. It's like, and it's just, all it's going to do is just draw mm. negative attention to the gaming industry. It's because, also mainly because they used IS, right? Well, they I mean, actually... If they, if they were just like a generic terrorist organization that happened to you know come from there, right. it would not be quite the same thing. Well, I mean, it's not, yeah, I mean, it's not just in the title. I mean, if you look at the trailer, like, they call them ISIS, mm-hmm. like, the Well, whole... I mean, that is, I, I mean, Islamic State is right. what ISIS yeah. is for. Um, it's, it's... I just cannot see any way where this is a good idea. Well, I mean, first of all, it doesn't look like a great game to play. It's just a generic, right. like, tripod shooter. Right. But it's like, uh, you know, they're gonna get basically free marketing out of this. That's why they think it's a good idea. And that's what I'm saying. I don't think at the end of the day it may end up being free. Like, if they have to pay with something other than money for mm. this, like, 
they could end up paying a really heavy cost for trying. And look, I think it's also a little scummy to try to capitalize on something like ISIS in a video game. Oh, yeah. Like, this, like you said, they should just change the name of that studio to like Scum Studios. <laughs> like, like I don't think that, like you said, I don't think they should be stopped from making it. But like, it's an interest. It would be interesting to delve into the mentality of someone who thinks this is a good idea. Yeah. Or who thinks this is a wise risk? Um, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's likely that there's anything is going to happen to him. But it's not a non-zero chance by any means. It, you know, any literally any other game you could make would not carry that risk. Right. Any so, game. And even even, if even right, just hatred too. Right. You know? Even if this was like an Al Qaeda game, yeah. if it was like Al Qaeda defense, like I wouldn't feel as nervous for these guys as I feel for them right now. Because I like legitimately feel nor, like home front, North North Korea defense or something. You know, like yeah. there's no, you know, like you're probably not going to get targeted by North Korean agents on that one. I mean, these are the people that are irrational they enough. Are, they're crazy enough to actually do it. Yeah. Because it's doing it is nothing. Because they have whack jobs that follow them on Twitter or whatever. They just send out a message. They're like, "Hey, look at this game, IS Defense. It's made by this team in Poland." That's all they have to do. Mm-hmm. That's the edict. And some crazy whack job in Poland, or two or three of them, go down to the office. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> play with really, fire. Really, really bad decision. You play with fire, you get burned. That's what I'm saying. So, like, but I, I just. I, I don't think it's as likely as you seem to think it is, but it, again, it could happen. I think it could definitely happen. And, and, I hope and that'll doesn't. be a great story for the news to pick up about the industry. Like That's said. what I'm saying. Like, it's all bad. Like, look, I don't wish Destructive Creations any harm whatsoever. At the I same hope... time, the Charlie Hebdo thing didn't exactly, like, ruin political cartooning forever. So, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone would blame the industry. But for nobody that. ever goes after cartoons like they go after video games. Like, I just saw... Not anymore. I just saw a thing yesterday with Penn Jillette. He went on one of these corny, like, middle-aged women, like, daily daytime talk shows. And he was trying to explain video games to these women, like Call of Duty. And they were just oblivious, dude. They're just like, you kill people in the video game. Why wouldn't you think that it makes people kill people in real life? Like, that's just the mentality that these people are on, Matt. And I just... Well, then I guess we should get real worried about anyone who reads a book about adultery. Yeah. Well, books are okay. Movies are okay. Because you're not doing it. These mainstream people, that's how they look at it. They're like, you're doing it in a video game, so that could lead your behavior to do it mm. in the real world, which is, to- we all talk about this Look, I'm just times. saying I, lo- I learned a lot more about kinky sex from Stephen King books than yeah. anything else in my, you know, okay? <laughs> like, you walk into a Barnes & Noble and buy, like, all this stuff where some crazy shit happens and no yeah. one looks twice at you. It's a book. Like, it's oh, you're eight years old and you want to buy Rose Matter? No problem. <laughs> Have fun, kid. <laughs> Gerald's game, no problem, son. There you go. Yeah, I mean, look, we're at the whipping post for popular media. It, they they always point to us when something goes wrong. They're always like, "Well, could, was there video games involved? Did they play video games?" Like nobody goes like, "Did they read books?" No yeah, one, but oh well. No one asks you like they read the art, the anarchist like cookbook or whatever. Did he watch movies? I bet he watched movies. Yeah, I mean, nobody does that. They but they do it with games every time. I mean, there was a, was a time when Catcher in the Rye was the thing that caused people to no, assassinate right. people. Well, that was, but that like was a like century ago. <laughs> Well, half a, century. a lifetime ago. Yeah, a sure. lifetime ago. But like, you know, I mean, let them. Uh, yeah, to some degree, part of me is just like, okay, keep talking, people. Who cares? Like, it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. It's not. It's not like the old, the '90s where like you know Tipper Gore and 
and you know these people were like you know they had a chance to really put like a chilling censorship effect on you know like like with the the having a label the explicit lyric stuff you know there was a time when like there was that worry of like oh if if, if tipper if, gore yeah if, if, it, if, it, <laughs> if it if it like you know breaks the wrong way like this industry which is a fledgling at the time really could yeah. be in serious trouble it was you know and i think it's past that point I don't no think, i agree you know, you it's can't... not going to destroy the industry and it's like it's like and I don't think it's even going to affect it. I think it's just like it, it, people have to go on, you know, a couple people have to go on talk shows and be like, no, this is not what video games are. And I don't like, know, Matt. The tide is a turning a little bit in America. I mean, we have a presidential candidate that's pretty out there, and he's got a decent amount of support. There's some people out there that aren't thinking so clearly right now. Yeah, like, but I don't think you're gonna. You know, those people are probably big fans of Call of Duty. I think but, we're okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's like once ISIS gets involved with the gaming industry, I can't believe I just said that, by I, the I way. Just, I don't know if that would be in, this really involved with the gaming industry. Well, once it once games become a part of the ISIS story, maybe that's the way I should have phrased mm-hmm. it, then everything changes, man. Like, it's not just Doesn't... about, like, Jeff Keighley going on Fox News and arguing about Mass Effect nudity anymore. Instead, you're talking about people that may or may not have lost their lives over a video game that they made. Like, they're like people that lost their lives over a cartoon. They, or a cartoon they drew. I mean, right? Like, and now there's a huge uproar about that. Just it another, was a huge but story. it wasn't an uproar about like people, whether people should draw cartoons. It was an uproar about how crazy these fuckers are. I don't know. It's just another I, again. Brick I don't in the want to repeat wall. what I just said before about how video games are treated differently in the media, but they are, and people don't look. I'm at... I am going to come down on the on the I, on the prediction that should that happen, and I hope it doesn't because I don't think these guys make great games, but I don't think they deserve to die right. for it. <laughs> um, I am going to predict that people are going to hate ISIS more than they hate video games. Oh, yeah. And so people are going to... If anything, it could be the other way around. It could be like these poor video game developers being targeted by these horrible monsters for just making a game. I don't know. I think a lot of people would say they asked for it. Well, victim blaming is a big thing right now. Yes, especially it is. on the internet. Yep. <laughs> But I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is these guys are really stupid to do this. Like, are you that desperate to have a hit that you would put yourselves and your families? Apparently the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just can't understand. I couldn't imagine out of the working same country there. as The Witcher. Right. Talk about two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I know. I couldn't imagine working at this studio. You had just finished Hatred. <laughs> Think about that. Which was basically got vilified in reviews after generating all this fake buzz because of its. I was hoping they just like move on to like different negative emotions. Right. You know, like, <laughs> next up from the developers of Hatred, jealousy, loathing, gluttony. <laughs> just a pat and clown. Eat. <laughs> Slow. This is boring. That. You come off Hatred where you're probably not exactly all that proud of what you just worked on. You're like. I got a job in the games industry. I'm not really proud to say that the first game I shipped was Hatred, <laughs> but we did ship a game. And then your boss comes in. He's like, "I have an idea for our next game. <laughs> I got it. I got it. It's gonna." I just, I don't know, man. I think it's just a terrible idea from pretty much every angle. Well, that could forward. have huge repercussions far beyond what these developers ever imagined. Well, I hope not because I look forward to their third game, Trump Wars. <laughs> That would have been a smarter project. <laughs> yeah. You, you like, had zero chance of getting killed over that one. Well, I wouldn't yeah. say zero, but... Not, not necessarily zero, but it's like, I don't know, like an action, like kind of action shooter, like violent thing where it's like, you know, interpretation of like Trump's campaign. And, and the whole object is to make the world great again. Yeah. Make America great. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not about the world there. Let's Just not America. go crazy. Yeah.
Yeah, the rest of the world's all commies. You know? Yeah, that's right. All right, let's move on. We don't want to get too political here on Game Face. Move on to the next topic. So, basically, it was announced this week what we all expected, and oh. that is that Assassin's Creed is taking a year off. So, that was announced, like, I think the end of week last week, and then today there was, like, a meeting with investors that Ubisoft had where their CEO said, well, it may not ever go back to a yearly cycle. Oh. It may be a two-year cycle or whatever, sporadically, whenever we feel like it's worth releasing again. You got to fit Watch Dogs 2 in there somewhere. Well, yeah, so that's the other thing. They announced Watch Dogs 2 coming out before March 31st of 2017. Mm -hmm. So that's coming in the next year or so. Um, Matt, is there any saving Assassin's Creed at this point? Sure. You think so? I love Assassin's Creed. I mean, look. And Syndicate was really good. There's a lot of games that would kill to have the sale Syndicate had. Yeah. I mean, Syndicate it still was, sold millions of copies. Right. And, and it was great. It was the, I think it's probably the, the third best Assassin's Creed, I would say. And I played them all. Yeah. Uh, I, I, play, I love that series. But um, it does need to take a break. It does need to really reevaluate re what it wants to be, as opposed to just reiterating the same gameplay tropes over and over again. Um, and it needs to like conglomerate or start over on its story, because they, that, the series has wandered since 3. Like, whatever the modern, like, you know, they've told pretty good stories in the times, in the, you know, the historical, you know, time periods. But, like, there's always that modern angle. And as much as I love Sean... they kind of bailed on pretty yeah, much. Yeah, as much as I love Sean, you know, keep Sean Hastings writing the, the encyclopedia entries, because that's one of my favorite <laughs> things, because he's such a snarky dude. Yeah. But, like... Like clearly, they have no idea where they're going with the modern day stuff anymore. Like it's like the, you know Juno got released and Minerva's around there somewhere, and the internet is possessed by an ancient alien, and like, and the, some of these guys are trying to stop these other guys, and there's like these guys from the comic books that keep popping up in the in the games, and I don't know anymore. But like clearly, whatever original story you were planning to tell is out the window, so maybe it's time to just pull it all back and start over. And it sounds like that might be what they're going to do with this ancient Egypt thing. Well, they've really... been mentioning that they're using The Witcher as inspiration, so yeah, it could okay. be turning into more of an action RPG type game. That'll be interesting um, because you know Assassin's Creed is kind of feels. You know, if you compare it to something like The Witcher, it feels like it's in a lot of different boxes, as opposed to The Witcher, which feels more organic. Right. Um, I wonder how much of that box-oriented um, structure is uh, kind of related to its popularity. Because I wonder, you know, I mean, The Witcher did very well, but, you know, the fan base for Assassin's Creed is definitely there. It, sell, it sells, people talk about it, people go on about it, like, but people love it. But I didn't really it. get that vibe from Syndicate, though. I mean, I know on Sifted, like... Dude, Syndicate. After the first, Syndicate's characters have huge followings in the fandom. Like, like Evie and Jacob are big, big hits. I don't really? know. Really? Oh yeah. I no mean, I question. like them in the game. I think they're Fine. great. Great characters, but like, they're they're constantly talked about still on Tumblr and Twitter. I mean, it still goes on and on. I mean, maybe it didn't translate into sales, but like, you know, the, the audience is there for those characters and they love them. And I, you know, I think I, we've talked about it before. I think Unity did serious harm to that. You know, a lot of people decided to play Wait and See with Syndicate because of Unity. Yeah. And I think Syndicate is great. And if you're waiting on Syndicate, if you like Assassin's Creed, you should play Syndicate because Syndicate is, you know, after Brotherhood and uh, Black Black Flag, I'd say it's you know one of the best. See, I I think the series is in deep crap. I think that it would take something revolutionary to get people back to it. Because I don't think it's just a matter of P 
people being upset that Unity was buggy and kind of broken. I think people are just kind of tired of the series and mm. everything about it. Like the gameplay, the plot, the... I just... You can't... You can only ask so much. And when you've released a game and a series ever... I mean, think about it. Like, people aren't tired of Mario yet. Well, some people are. I'm kind of tired of side-scrolling Mario games. But you know what? Mario 3D games, I'm not tired of them yet. Most people aren't. But that's because they come out once every, like, four or five years. Like, do you realize that... Assassin's Creed has already released more games than there are 3D Mario games. Mm. Think about that. Mm. It, I, I just think people... They all are... kept selling until Unity tanked that stuff. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, I don't think that's a coincidence. Unity sold very, very well. And all of a sudden, Syndicate drops because people had a bad experience with Unity. And the other thing that's brought up a problem is I think the historical settings of those games are one of the things that really sell them. And they're getting closer. And cl- they've been getting closer and closer to modern day, and I think that's less interesting. Yeah, I just think people are burnt out on the whole thing, man. I just think. I think that's an awful coincidence if the game that was like a technical disaster. No, uh, I think that's su- part of it. Su- suddenly, the game after, of- but like the game after, it's like that's a really cool setting. It's a really cool. Uh, you know, I think I think the technical problems were. You know, and again, I do think it was getting a little stale. I liked what Unity tried to do in terms of mixing it up, but it wasn't quite enough. But I feel the same way about Syndicate. Like, I still feel... They're always, you know, well, because Syndicate's still building on the things that Unity did. It you didn't go through really this innovate. whole marketing cycle where they tell you it's different, it's different, and then you play it, and you're like, it's not different. It's the same damn game with, like, a couple little tweaks in it. And mm. I just... I think if they came back in 2017, Q4 2017, and put out a great Assassin's Creed that was bug-free... I mean, that's really what we got with Syndicate. I still think it tanks. Like, I... That's not Syndicate tank. didn't that's, tank. That's right. That's... I'll, re- I'll recant that. <laughs> or, I still don't think it sells up to anywhere near what prior installments. I don't think it sells up to Ubisoft standards for what they spend on the game and expect to get in return for. for their well, I think they, they're going to have to claw their way back up to that point. I don't think the next, the next Assassin's Creed is going to do it. Um, and I think going to a two-year cycle would be very smart. I think part of, part of the problem... This game was supposedly developed on a two-year cycle. Well, they're all done in two-year cycles. But like the problem is... I think, and this is key, that like I think this isn't really talked about much, really, when people criticize these games, but I think part of the problem is they all are on two-year or three-year cycles, but they're all done by different teams. Right. So there's no real coherence in what an Assassin's Creed game is or what it feels like, because everybody develops their own version of the climbing, and their own, you know, they share assets, obviously, but like none of none of them all quite ever ever quite feel the same. Even Rogue and Black Flag don't quite feel the same, and they have the same ship combat. You know, like I think if you can give this to a team that can just iterate on this thing every two years and just let them breathe and let them figure out what they did wrong in the last one and fix that and innovate and what they, you know, let one team handle Assassin's Creed and build on it in a normal development cycle spaced out so that human beings can handle it and you're going to have a much better series and you're going to have a series that evolves more because that was part of the problem with like you know that especially like the the two the brotherhood revelations thing was that was all in three all different teams you know assassin's creed 2's team in large part moved on to three but other people made brotherhood and revelations and brotherhood like when you got to revelations like well it's like it was like revelations forgot a bunch of the things that brotherhood added in and you're like it was because they're all done parallel you couldn't you couldn't make it happen and i think one vision from one team that has the experience with you know whoever you make to do this next one uh, maybe it's the syndicate. I don't know. I don't know what they'd be thinking. But and, and again, there's a lot of talk about the setting reverting to ancient Egypt and possibly com- almost a complete reboot of the history of 
of the modern day stuff and just kind of ignoring all that or, or changing how it works, um, I think that's it's wise. A it's a little awkward. I think it's but... wise as well. I just don't think it's, it's going to be enough. I think unless they change the game drastically, like making it an action RPG, mm-hmm. I just think people are just going to... I just don't think it'll ever get back to the heights it was well, at. Well, it's interesting to think, like, you know, on one hand, that's one way to look at it. On the other hand, what if, if you change it like that, you alienate the millions of people that still bought Syndicate? Yeah. You know, are you changing this game series drastically for too few people? What if what if people just like the way it is? You know, it's like... Here's it's like the pe- thing, people say all the same shit about Call of Duty. They're going to sit in a meeting. They're going to look at the curve. <laughs> they're going to see the curve going down. Like, honestly, I think... Brotherhood was the peak of sales for Assassin's Creed, I believe. And since then, it's, it was kind was of it? a slow decline. And then Unity, it, from then on, it just nosedived. Mm. But I thought 3 was, but I might be wrong. It's one of those games, though. There's been a... Whatever it is, there's been a lot of games since the 3 peak. was where I lost my faith. See, yeah. I really like 3. I know a lot of people I don't. I didn't. And said that they, it's like one of their least favorite. I really enjoyed it. I liked the whole. It's Native not my American. least favorite, but it was. I didn't care about anything in that game. But it didn't kill it. That's not no. what killed it. <laughs> like people were still on board. It sold like crazy. Like I think oh, yeah. you may be right. I think that is like the best selling one was three. That's what I thought it was. But yeah, uh, I know Brotherhood sold better than two. Brotherhood's my favorite. Brotherhood's my favorite. My as personal well. whole, favorite yeah. game. But Same. I don't know, Matt. Like I just sat and watched on Sifted just. The interest in Syndicate. And it's not like anything came out about Syndicate that made people become reticent to embrace it. Or there was you no know, rumor swirling that it was in development hell. And there were no previews that came back where people were like, I don't know. Like, all the previews were positive. Game showed well. Game was marketed well. Game ultimately was pretty darn good. People don't care. I just feel like... and it's I think, a known quantity. And I think part of it, too, does go back to what you're saying about how, like, the whole dichotomy of, of the modern day with the past has kind of been shoved to the side and people don't really know what's going on there anymore and it's not a prevalent part of the game anymore. I think that feeds into it a little bit. I think Unity being a disaster feeds into it a little bit. But I think really, more than anything, it's just that people are burnt out on the concept and the whole thing. Like, and I don't know that you release a bug-free game that's set in Egypt changes that. I just don't think it does. I think this series is like, at least as far as being like a 10 million seller per year, is kind of on life support. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I seriously feel like if they want this game to return to the prominence and success that it had before, they need to not just say, oh, well, we have our best team on it or whatever, or now we're going to Egypt or some other civilization like they need to just flip it on its ear and find a complete new completely new new angle for it like i just don't think the path that they're heading right like you know they came out today and they're like well you know we're putting our best people on this now like it's not split up between like three teams and here's montreal and here's this other team in europe it's one team and we put our best assassin's creed guys on it like i don't think that's gonna get it done man like i almost feel like they'd be better off creating another franchise like they did with Watch Dogs and naming it something new so people are more willing to maybe give it another chance. Well, how like, much did Watch Dogs sell? A few million, something like that. As much as Syndicate? I think it might have, yeah. I think it may have actually sold more than Syndicate. But Watch Dogs has been out for a while. It's apples mm. and oranges, so it's hard to compare. That's but. what I'm saying. Is like even, even, uh, you know, even Assassin's Creed that people are sort of lukewarm on is still going to sell millions. 
Yeah. So, I mean, they they didn't have to do this. They could have just kept cranking them out. You know, like, well, they saw the curve. They saw where it's headed. Right. But is it, it? You know, but the curve is kind of like you know, it, it's probably gonna, you're probably going to level out at some point. People, there's a certain number of people are always going to buy these games, especially because it's promoted to the level it is. So at a certain point. You know, their other option was okay. We, we we adjust the budgets and the expectations of this series so that these things are going to sell two to three million copies. That's how much an Assassin's Creed game sells now. The old, it's the old Star Trek movie theory. Yeah, yeah. We're like, we know how much these movies make, so here's your budget. And, and if you make stick a to movie. it, we'll make money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's what Assassin's Creed could become. But instead, they're doing this thing where they really want to turn it into something good that that excites people and gets people interested again. So the mere fact that they're doing that, I think, is a because you know they could be even more cynical about it. They could have just released. You know, they don't have to skip this year as a release. They could release the PC version of Assassin's Creed Rogue for PS4 and Xbox One and consider that a release this year. They could have you know See, the problem though been is, much more uh, mercenary about it. The problem is you can't just say let's turn a profit on a game and that's good enough. Like, you can't do it that way because you have shareholders. And shareholders mm-hmm. expect you... I mean, look at Apple, for example. Apple has more cash than God. Apple had its best quarter ever in the history of the company. And, I mean, that's saying something when you're talking about Apple. What happened the day it put out its financial report? Its stock just tanked. It literally lost, like... I think they lost like $20 billion in like three hours or something Hmm. like that of value in the company because people aren't just looking to make a profit. They're like, how are we going to make crazy amounts of profit? That's what people look for. And so if you have like one of your tentpole games, like Assassin's Creed is for Ubisoft, tanking or just breaking even or not doing as well as the prior installments did. I mean, you start, that's, that was what happened with Apple with the iPhone. Like, iPhone 6 is sold great, but it didn't sell better than mm-hmm. iPhone 5. People bailed out. They're like, oh, well, they're flatlining now. They're not, they're not creating new products. They're not creating excitement that's going to make what they do a sensation anymore. And mm-hmm. that's when people start to bail and they sell their stock and then CEOs lose their jobs. And, like, you can't just say, well, we can turn a profit on the next Assassin's Creed and that's good enough. That's not what companies like Ubisoft do. Well, then I would say the problem is that you're comparing technological uh, products to art. Yeah. And well, that's true. So but that is what people do. Some, some t- <laughs> they're not all going to be, you know, they're all going to be brotherhood. Yeah. Some some of them are, are going to be unity. Some of them are going to be revelations, which I, is my pick for the worst. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Um, you know, and and you got to let it, you got to let them fail sometimes and you know even if you know and and i don't know you know i guess syndicate probably was the come to jesus moment because you look at that game and there's nothing wrong with it like right. there's no reason it was a, but at the same time it's like well how is anyone supposed to know that at launch i don't i didn't know it wasn't as buggy as unity or maybe the story was terrible or maybe it was, you know who knows well, that's what us journalists are for man right well <laughs> Good job, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, so so who knows? You know, I don't know what its lifetime sales will be. Maybe it'll get better when the price drops a little bit. And like the Jack the Ripper DLC was really, you know, they, they didn't they didn't drop the ball on this game. It's just uh, that's I, why I'm saying it's dead. I don't know if it's dead. Like it's just, relatively speaking, it's dead. Relative to three, maybe, but three wasn't very good. I so, thought three was good, but three was also a more compelling setting. Like yeah, that's the other thing. Is, I, I mean, I love Victorian London as a setting, but in terms of you know. What that game's original hook was, it had that weird exotic 
historical thing. Well, I think that's the series' other problem is that it's just kind of running out of really running out of room. Yeah, yeah it's, it's running it's, out of really interesting time periods to be set in. I mean, you, I mean, and and you even move. You know, your your only move left here is yeah, you either go back to ancient times or you do a World War Two one. Right. And because I mean, look, look what happened with Far Cry Primal. Like that game. It's tracking pretty low on Sifted. Like, yeah. as far as interest in, in our users, like, it's not getting a lot of one-ups. It's not getting a lot of comments. Be- another part of it, too, is that you, there's just been a deluge mm-hmm. of media for the game over the last right. month and a half. But, but you know what's funny about that? Um, I've played every single Far Cry. All of them. The side one, you know, Blood Dragon, all that stuff. Um, I played it all. Uh, and the other day, my girlfriend says, uh, what do you know about Far Cry Primal? And I'm like, oh, this, I know, you know this, we've talked about it on the show. Da, da, da. And she's like, I think I might get that. And I'm like, you're going to get a Far Cry? She's like, yeah, I'm interested. It's the first Far Cry she has ever shown any kind of interest in Interesting. ever. Because of the animal aspect. To be able to Which ride the animals and Far all Far Cry's always had, right? Always had, but it's never had it like that much at the forefront. Right. And all of a sudden, she, I don't know. And here's the other thing. She is a Assassin's Creed nut. Yeah. I mean, she has figures of all the characters. She has all the games. She plays all of them obsessively. She like posts about it on Tumblr. She has friends that are all Assassin's Creed, and like it's it's like this whole like weird world where I'm like I'm like okay, so like Primal is interesting to me, but it's not like oh I gotta play Primal, right? Even though I'm a big Far Cry fan because I have yeah. the same concern you you do, where it's like we take guns out. Okay, so I'm throwing spears and I'm shooting bows and arrows for like forty hours. Right. Like, how are you gonna make that interesting? But like, for See, what, how do you keep it interesting? Right. For yeah. whatever you're, whatever they're doing there, suddenly this has this whole different person interested in that, and, and I'm like, well, yeah. like, and it's and are she, there enough of? Are there enough of her? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, and like, there's a, there's a lot of Tumblr people that have that same level of interest. Yeah. But is that enough to make it a triple A selling franchise? Yeah. Uh, considering the number of them who love Syndicate and love EB and Jacob and talk about it constantly, um, they hit a lot of the right notes with that game. But maybe they're not hitting, you know, I don't know, the bro notes? That could be. Uh, you know, wh- whoever they alien. <laughs> the bro notes. Well, it's also, who are you going to alienate with Unity's technical issues? People like us who are, are you know, we're informed about the, the tech side of things. We, yeah. we demand the best performance out of our hardware. We're not that attached to the story. We're really there to stab people after we jumped off a building and, yeah. and you know, sneak up on guys and crack their, their necks and stuff. But, like, you know, this other fan base that is always devoted to this series... Loves the characters, loves the story, loves yeah. who they are, and like wants to get into like. Yeah, it's their, like Megan you know, Rue. I used to work with at GT. Yeah. She is like one of the biggest Assassin's Creed fans I, I probably will ever meet, and mm-hmm. she loves all that stuff, all the lore, and like mm-hmm. a new game would come out, come out, and she'd sit in my office for like an hour talking about like all the little things that she's discovering, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was just like, whoosh. So I guess like, part okay. of my like part of my skepticism or concern with like reinventing the franchise completely for the, whatever they're about to do. Is that I hope they don't take this thing that these people love so much away from them in the process. It's an expensive proposition for Ubisoft, though. I would say I think both of us will agree that the series taking some time off is a good idea. Oh, super welcome! As someone, that's one thing we will agree on on this. Someone who loves that that franchise, to, I love that franchise to death. Even the bad, even though it's disappointed me several times, maybe more than not at this point when yeah. you add them all up. But like I love the idea, I love the concept. I, I you know it, it, I love the original one. I was one of the I was one of the only people that really like stepped up and loved the first one 
even with all its warts. I gave it a pretty high score at GT. I, I gave it a 5 out of 5, which I probably shouldn't have in yeah, retrospect. Yeah, it might be a little high. Um, I, at the time, it was. I don't think it was a high score, but then like... Well, it was revolutionary at the yeah, time. When Assassin's Creed 2 came out, I was like, oh, this one's better. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot better, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, you can't rate something based on like, well, right. this sequel might improve on this. I can't yeah. give you a 7. You have to be a 6. You right, know? right. You can't do that, but it's like, in the end, that, that was actually one of the times when I was like, oh, I wish I had more than 5 numbers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last topic of the show. We are going to talk about surprise, surprise, Street Fighter Five round one <laughs> fight. <laughs> so, came out this week. It's been a whirlwind of you, like three you, or four. You may have gotten days. to play it the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> been having major issues we'll get to all that but i want to talk first about what we really like about this game because i don't want to sit here and like harp on it the whole time because it does have its share of issues but there's also some stuff in this game that's really flipping awesome Mm -hmm. and and i would argue the most important part of the game is really freaking awesome and that is the gameplay the Mm -hmm. interaction with this game to me if you ever wanted if you ever described a game as butter (laughs) This game's butter, man. Yeah. Like, it is just so fluid, so smooth. I got this game, like, I got it late. I didn't get it from Capcom until, like, a day before it came out. And so I was online playing, and it was literally 2,183 people total were playing the game. And I immediately went online to play, and I just got destroyed. Oh, my God, Matt. I have never got my ass whooped at something that bad that was, in my that was a good two entire life, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, it got to the point, it was so bad. It got to the point where I was just trying to land a hit before I was wiped out. That's how bad it was. The early access people were uh, a lot of pros. And they were all using arcade sticks. I don't have a stick for a PlayStation 4, and my old stick doesn't work. And so What's I'm your playing. Old stick? I have my old sticks actually for Xbox 360. Oh, okay. I don't even have a stick for PlayStation. If you want, 3. I, I have some extra PS3 sticks. I think. If you want I would love a stick. In fact, that's one thing I would complain about this game is that there's no way to filter people who are playing with sticks like out of your queue. I'll tell you this much: I because uh, I was up in San Francisco when this came out, and I had my PlayStation 4 up there. And had a pre-order, so when it came out, I played. And I've been playing it with a pad, and I'm doing all right yeah. with the PlayStation. Uh, PlayStation. Pad. I, uh, you know, switched to a stick when I got back. Yeah, but yeah, like, and it's much better. Yeah. But it's you know, it's not. No, it's totally unplayable. playable. Oh, it's totally um, playable with a, with a D-pad. Especially if you had any time back in the day on the you know on the old Dreamcast where you 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 know where you learned to to use the shoulder buttons yeah. uh, because you had no choice because you or the old Super Nintendo Street Fighter Two where it's just like yeah you got to do it because like. That's, no, that's no, none of your buttons. friends wanted to buy the the six button <laughs> pad, so you're just gonna okay, fierce, fierce kick, fierce kicking, fierce punching roundhouse. You're gonna be on the, the shoulders. Great. It does take a little while to adjust to playing yeah. fighting games, especially one like this using shoulder buttons. It but. is also easier because, as someone who played a lot of Street Fighter Four, uh, this game is so much more user friendly in terms of like the linking. The, you know, there's no more one frame links. Yeah. Uh, it's you know it's a much uh, it's much less emphasis on long drawn out memorized combos and You're more right. on um, quick combos that do a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, and it makes it a more exciting game as a result because it's constant back and forth and yep. constant footsies and constant. I mean, it's, it's That's one thing it's I would say great. has changed a lot is the aerial game now is almost. I wouldn't recommend anybody like ever jumping. Oh, that's true forever. That's been true of eh, fighting games forever. I, would, I feel like no, this game is more jump. so this way. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know that one way or the other yet. But you know, going back to Street Fighter Three, don't jump. Like ju- you only jump if you know for sure you can get. Well, it when in. they're stunned or whatever. Yeah, you know? if you want to do a jump in for stun, this is one. But like that's, you know, Alex Valle tell you the first thing: never jump. Yeah. Don't jump. Stay on the ground because there's nothing good that can happen to you in the air. Yeah. That's that's, that's and it is true of this one, especially with uh, characters like Fang. Uh, who can poison you in midair right. and all that? You know, there's yeah. a lot of crazy. An- the anti-air game in this game is crazy. It's like, intense. It's, yeah, it's, it's like more. In- every character than it has ever like, has been. Yeah, yeah, almost every character has like two or three different tool- anti-air. That's tools. what I'm saying. That's why I never jump in this mm-hmm. game. Like you learn that lesson really, really quickly. But going back to what you're saying about its accessibility, I agree a thousand percent. Like I already feel like I'm better at this game. Look, eventually I stopped playing against all the pros and started playing mm-hmm. against normal humans. And I already feel like I am far better at this game after playing it a week than I was playing Street Fighter 4 after like a month. Mm-hmm. I feel like the flow of it, the timing of it is better. It feels more natural. Um, just the whole system with the V-triggers and everything, I feel is a lot easier to understand and comprehend how it works. Um, at the same time, though, there's depth, though, because, like, the V-trigger is different for every character. Yep. So it's not like you just learn have this, like, one-size-fits-all, like, combo or whatever that you can do, and it works for every character. It's like you need to figure out what each character does once they're mm-hmm. in V-trigger and what they're more effective at while they're in, v- in V-trigger. So, and you need to know what your opponent can do in V-trigger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it adds, like, a whole other layer of strategy to the game. Um, the char- it's a lot I, more interesting than the Ultra system. I, I agreed. A thousand percent. I like almost all of the new characters. Um, the one I would say I don't really like is Fang. Like, I don't... Mm-hmm. I don't feel like he fits in the universe for some reason. He's it's not about how he fights, it's how he looks. Like he Yeah, just... I don't think he necessarily doesn't fit in the universe, but the fact that he's the new fourth Shadowloo boss is we- I got right. I would never he's have like been... a henchman. If you, like if Bison, you showed yeah. me all the all the pictures of the new characters, I would never have picked him out as yeah. the new like Bison henchman. Like yeah. he just isn't it's it, it it doesn't seem like his thing. It doesn't yeah. it, I wouldn't have chosen him as the the replacement for Sagat. Yeah. Um who I hope comes back. Yeah, I think he will. But, um, <laughs> no, it's it's you know, it's fluid as hell. It runs great. like a beast. I'm playing the PlayStation Four version. It runs yeah, amazing. PlayStation Four is great. Apparently, not so much on certain PC configurations. Yeah, um, not a surprise. I have you know I've played a fair amount online, and I have never seen a PC player so far. Uh, How do you know if they're PC? Uh, when the when the think when the matchup comes up, there's a little PS4 or a PC oh, I icon next that. to them. And I've only seen PS4. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's... And you can choose to filter out PC people if you want to. Yeah. I don't know why you would. Yeah, I don't either. There's probably a reason, but I don't know. I don't think anybody has a particular advantage unless unless someone starts coming up with like weird, you know, hacks, hacks or cracks on the PC, which could happen. Could happen. <laughs> I, I don't recall anything like that really happening in in Ultra on PC. I played a fair amount of that. But the only thing anybody modded into that thing was the most inc- in insane outfits that you could ever imagine. Well, they've also already modded Street Fighter V so that she now has her ass slap back. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they modded it back in. That's freaking hilarious. PC gaming, folks. Somebody spent all that time to put that back in there. but. Oh, yeah. Well, how fast did the nude mod come out for Fallout 4? Like, oh, 10 minutes? Yeah, like, like the next day, <laughs> yeah. So I guess I shouldn't be all that surprised. Um, but I look, I am enjoying the hell out of this game when I'm playing it. Like, I'm really enjoying mm-hmm. it. It almost has convinced me to go buy a stick, but if you say you have one you could give me, that would be awesome. Because it supports PS3 sticks, right? Yeah, I believe it does. Yeah, I, I have a... 
I, w- I dealt with like the accessories segment on the last few years of X-Play, so I ended up with a lot of sticks. No, I would love one, because I only ever got one for Xbox 360, because that's I'll, pretty much I'll what look I look in my closet. My I can, I'm sure I have at least like some old Marvel vs. Capcom thing you could use. So, while I'm playing this game, I absolutely love it. At least while I'm playing online. When but it works. When it, when it works, because I, I just tweeted something Half last night. Half of the night. time, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, just last night, I tweeted out I'm still getting server errors. Like I haven't had a server error since launch night. Launch night, I couldn't play. Like right, it, was, right. it wasn't, you know. I I, fi- I think I finally got online like at midnight Pacific time, and I was able to like register my name, and then it died again, and that was it. Like, and I just gave up. And then the, well, here's has, the thing: if you have a server error, you can't really play it at all because. Yeah. There are single-player modes that you can play if you're not connected, but you won't get credit for yeah, you don't get fight money. You do. Yeah, so it's like you can play it just for fun, but if you want to play and actually get make some progress, yeah, not so much. Which I, and, and you know the fight money thing is interesting because you can use fight money obviously to buy um, DLC, DLC, which you would otherwise have to spend real money on. And the fight money is pretty generous. Yeah. Um, you know, I already have about like two hundred thousand just off playing like you know story and survival and some online. And um, like that's enough for two characters. Yeah. You know that's that's good. You know, and I hope that they uh, realize that because now fight money is worth uh, that's real money. It is. Yeah. And you can buy goods that you normally have to pay money for. And if you hit the point where like, oh, we got to reset the servers and everybody's fight money is going to go away, it's like, well, I hope you're ready for a mutiny. Oh, because yeah, that would be bad. I don't that, think they would do that. I would hope not. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, you know, yeah, there's really no point in playing the game if you can't connect to the servers, which. Uh, could be could raise some issues in the future, but you know, it's right. uh, it's it's a weird way to do to do that, especially opening day when you're like, well, you knew how many people pre-ordered, right? So why weren't you ready? Yeah, for that? they weren't ready at all. It, but here's the thing: like, I was playing it the day before it came out, where literally the high, the lowest rank you could have was twenty one hundred. So the most people that could ever be on those servers at a mm. time was twenty one hundred people. And it was doing the same crap. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Hmm. It was a struggle. I'm trying to review it. I'm trying to do the game eval for it. And, like, I li- it was even worse, actually, than it was wow. yesterday. Like, it just constantly dropping off the server. Server error, server error, server error. Every time you try to save something, sorry, can't save it. Server error. Like, it happened mm. all day. Tried to play it the next day, that evening. Same crap. Tried to play it last night. Still having problems. So like, where was all that in the reviews? No, a lot of them have mentioned it. They mentioned it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw the review. It's not getting great reviews. No. Like, I think its Metacritic average is Although like a 7.5 right now. It's getting hit harder for lacking the single-player content more than, you know, online problems. Well, look, like. initially, a lot of the, the day one reviews didn't mention the server issues. As the, the every day that it goes past launch, the reviews that come out for it are lower. Mm. It's like, it, like, all the reviews that came out, I think they... A lot of times when you have to review a game on, like, test servers or whatever, you'll put a little caveat in your review mm-hmm. saying, we did this on test servers, you know, it's not indicative of the final product, we reserve the right to come back and re-review it, blah, blah, blah. But it just, at the end of the day, like, they review the game and give it a score, assuming that that stuff's going to get fixed. Mm-hmm. And look, truth be told, in, Usually a couple, it does. in a couple weeks, no one's even going to be talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So... On some level, you, you kind of understand that. But you need to include it in your review so people know what they're getting into if they plan on buying it on day one and want to have a good experience. So as the time has gone on, people have become more and more harsh with it because they're like, well, wait a minute, now we're three days out from launch and it's still messed up. So at a certain point, 
the goodwill, if there's like a quotient where the mm. goodwill quotient slowly burns down to like nothing, and you're like, I don't have any more love for it. And you. it seems to be worse on P. I don't, I haven't played the PC version, but I know there's a lot more technical problems on PC. And I, Cap- I've only played PS4. I Capcom did respond and put up a thing, put up a response on Steam and said, you know, working on this, and a lot of like little fixes for PC, big fixes for PC, and little fixes in terms of like little UI issues, and I guess you can't change the resolution. Just you can't just change resolution from what it is to what you want it to be. You have to scroll through re- resolutions, which I'm like, I haven't seen that since like a like an arcade emulator from like 1998. Yeah. But like, so they're gonna try to fix it. So like, you know, it was a very timely response from any developer. It was a miraculously timely response from Capcom. Yeah. You know, because like, because Street Fighter Four kind of had similar issues at launch. Yeah, and it took a while to yeah. get those fit. You know, what I I don't think it was really all that wise to buy a PC version of Street Fighter Four until Ultra. Yeah, Ult- Ultra's like right butter, yeah. no problem. But um, it took a while to get there. Uh, and and the others, I did see a lot of people having trouble getting you know uh, acceptable frame rates. Uh, just certain hardware configurations where it's like, yeah, you had to turn it down to low, and it looked like oh, it looked like play, some playing something like through a fish tank. Entirely I mean, it different, just, it just, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, or I, at first, I, I was one picture of it on uh, on like super low settings because on GAF, and I thought it was like, I thought someone had invented like a like an overlay mod or something <laughs> for it. I was like, oh wow, someone did a watercolor mod. It's great. It's like, no, yeah. it's just what it looks like. It's, yeah. it's, so clearly the PC version is, uh, you know, if you're a PC player, you're going. It sounds like you're going to be having a rougher time right now than the PlayStation Four players. Yeah. So let's um, move on from the server issues because I'm pretty confident that's something that's going to be cleared up. What yeah. I don't know is ever going to be cleared up is the content in this game. So there's like a single player story mode, which is basically a complete joke. There's one. There's basically an option for each character in the game, and what it amounts to is you fight. Two to three matches. I think some of them have four. Yeah, it's, it's like 10, 15 minutes each. And there's like Nothing. anime stills with voiceover over top of them that tells this, a story. Stories are kind of all over the place. Some of them are actually... It's Street Fighter. Right. Some <laughs> of them are actually kind of interesting, and some of them are just completely moronic and idiotic. Like, I don't mm. th- I'm like, did somebody read this before they like... Well, they've always, you know, 4 had that too, where it's like, you know, some of the stories are like, you know, clearly part of the mythos, sort of like, you know, explaining what this game is, what's happening, what Bison is doing, whatever. And some of them, like, you know, Dan or Blanca's are just like batshit crazy, like, slapstick comedy story. You know, like, it, it, it runs the, the, the spectrum and always has. But th- this is, look, this is basically a complete throwaway. Oh, like, yeah. After Stalling a while, for time for June's story update. Basically. After a while, I just started skipping through like the story. Well, I didn't even mm. care. I just wanted to complete all of them because I thought maybe it might unlock something. But uh, as far as enjoy it, like the AI in this mode is a joke. Like I literally closed my eyes and beat one of the fights in this game without even mm. looking at the TV screen. That's how easy it is. So it's just like pointless busy work, I guess is the best way I could put it. So... That, there's, how many characters are there? There's 12? 16? Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember. Whatever that number is, you can beat each character's story thing in like 5 to 10 minutes. You can beat everybody's in probably an hour, an hour and a half. That's about Mm -hmm. all you're going to get out of it. Other than that, there's like, is it called survival? Survivor? Survival? Survival mode is where you get new colors. Right. But it's, and a lot of fight money for the first it, time. But it's also stupid. So you assume that, like, okay, it's going to be like a horde mode, like, where 
enemies mm. just keep coming. It doesn't work that way. It's like you fight one match, and then it has to go back out to the loading screen, come back, then you fight another match. It's not like you're in a fight. Back out to the loading screen. Well, you have to go back out. Like It doesn't stay in the same fight. Like You don't fight somebody. You defeat them. Somebody else jumps in and you fight them. Like it mm. goes back out of like the fight. You don't stay in the fight environment in that mode. Oh, I don't. I, that 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 is how it works now, though. I, they might maybe they change that. No. You you in survival you you beat a guy's one round. You beat the guy, right. and then you do, they do their win pose, and it says like you win whatever, and then you pick like whatever your battle perk whatever right. thing is, yeah. and then it loads real quick and jumps. A new guy in usually in the same. It, it does like three or four people in one stage. Right, but you're still like in. you're not staying in that fight. Like mm. it takes you to that screen where you choose like your perk, and I never choose like any for some reason. I, I always, choose I choose health, and that's it. I never like take anything. But uh, yeah, so it takes you out of the fighting environment. Like it would be better if you're just like you fight somebody, they go down. Like a little window pops up, you make your selection really quick. Next guy comes in. Like mm. it's not that's like just, that. This is not how. This is not how survival modes work in fighting games. Like, because you got to load the whole other character. Like, it's you know, just a character. It's still there a lot are of games data that load entire worlds on the fly. Like, there's no excuse for that. Like, not in modern time with hard drives. Like, yeah, you want to know why it runs so smoothly? Is because it only holds that much at once. Yeah. Well, whatever the excuse is, it's stupid, and it's an again a really dumb, boring mode. And but that's just that's survival. That's every survival mode ever in fighting. That games. doesn't mean it's okay though, Matt. You can't just say but that that's the way filler. it's always been. Like, that, like single player stuff. You're, like that's the point I'm getting touch. at. It is all filler. Like for a lot of people like to play. Like, where's the arcade mode? Like. It was there, never in the arcade. Has there ever been a Street Fighter game without an arcade mode in it? Ever? I mean, like, versus CPU? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you, like, go through a ladder of opponents and you have, like, little interludes in between where you beat the shit out of a car or whatever. Like, if you want to play this game by yourself and you're not good at the game, and look, the matchmaking, I don't even know yet whether it's good or not. Like, I know I get my ass handed to me pretty consistently, even after the first, the day before it came out when I was playing all the pros or whatever. I still lose pretty consistently. If you're a place, a person who likes to play a fighting game by yourself, there is nothing in this game to play. For some reason, the AI, why have they made it so easy? Like, literally, you don't even have to look at the screen to beat the guys. Like, it took until, okay, well, in that survival mode, it took till like, the 10th guy before it even started to get, like, kind of challenging. Mm-hmm. Like... Because easy mode AI and, and especially Street Fighter is barely, I mean, the first... But the, I didn't find a place where you could set the AI level for it. Well, only in the I I don't know if I didn't look actually, but like you can pick hell level for Survivor. I did. I was playing see. Survivor on hell level, and it took to the tenth fight yeah. before it even got well, like because it's still challenging. easy. You know, the the easy is ten matches, right? So you're still basically on easy for ten, and then normal to thirty, and then hard to seventy, I think, and then hell to hundred. Uh, it gets pretty. I when I play it. Um, I played through survival several times just to get colors for the characters I'm yeah. using. Uh, it gets it can get kind of sketchy around 26 or 27 for me, and yeah. usually 30 is uh, 30 in normal is Bison, and he's dangerous. He's right. for sure. No, dangerous. I can understand. And then that. past but, that in hard mode, like yeah, they they get pretty great. But I again, but I don't hard AI is fight not... like 20 fights to get to a fight where it's well, the, like. Well, compelling. the bigger problem is like you know you have to do that to get colors for th- you know in Street Fighter Four you earn colors just by playing versus right, um, which is a much more reasonable system because people are going to want to do that more often. 
uh, you know, there's a lot of people, who, people who play fighting games seriously pretty much never touch the single players. Like, right. you know, people are never going to use those colors because they're never going to sit down and play but survival. But we had this conversation through, uh, through text message the other mm -hmm. day. And we were talking about, you know, what kind of people buy fighting games. And I feel like the vast majority of sales for a fighting game are not hardcore fighting game fans. Like, hardcore fighting game fans are a niche market. I mean, that's just the facts. And, I don't know anymore. And look, like, I 5 to 10 million people are going to buy Street Fighter V. Like, I would say a best-case scenario of 5 million people who buy Street Fighter V, a million of them are hardcore fighting fans. Like, hardcore. I would who say... Who watch that. Evo and, you know, frame count and are obsessive over fighting. Most people that buy fighting games just fight it by them. So when they come in from the bar at night after drinking, they can beat the snot out of their roommate or their friends or whatever. Like, that's what a lot of people mm -hmm. buy fighting games for. It's not for this crazy... Like, they don't get into them as much as we do, and I don't even get into them as much as you do or as much as, like, the Evo crowd does. So... I don't know. I feel like if you're, if you have friends to play in this game, I think buy it immediately. You're gonna freaking love it. It is a great couch competitive game that you're gonna literally probably play until you finally sell your PlayStation 4 or whatever. But if you want to play this game by yourself or you want to play it online, you better be good. Because the people online are using arcade sticks, and they're damn good. And it's going to be real frustrating real quick for you, unless they somehow get the matchmaking to a place where it's serviceable. So, Well, I think the other problem is like... It's or not, if you're a hardcore fighting fan, no-brainer buy it. But it's not even about the matchmaking, because it's, at a certain point, it's like, I think people who are of a certain low skill level just don't play online because yeah. they don't want to get destroyed. Which was because, my point of like why the single player does matter. Because I don't think the single player matters at all. Really? I will say that Why are so up, many people complaining about it? Uh, because, they, because they have nothing else to complain about. <laughs> uh, here's the I thing. can buy five other stuff I can complain about. I'm sure you do, but here's the thing. Uh, no fighter in history is worth buying for single player. Like fighting games are competitive games. Like I that's enjoy it. playing Street There's Fighter the, usually in single player. Well you're 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 a unicorn then. Because <laughs> I can count on one hand the number of fighting games that have ever been released that have worthwhile single player modes without Soul playing. Soul Calibur, I like playing that single Soul player. Soul Calibur is one of them. Most of the others are Mortal Kombat games. Yeah. There's a lot of Mortal Kombat games that do have robust single player content, but they were terrible. Um, so I'm not gonna count stuff like Mortal Kombat Armageddon or whatever. Uh, some of the Blaze Blue games have very robust, you know, single. Well, I mean, look stuff. at more. The last couple of MK games have great. Yeah, like, they're up there. Well, I mean, they have great single player. They have like stories and campaigns. There's a lot the of stuff. In there, yeah. It's like there's nothing like that. And they're saying they're going to put out a single player story for DLC in June, but they're already saying it's only an hour to two hours long. Mm. What I'm saying is, uh, yeah, there's that million people, or maybe two million people, who play series competitively, and I think the vast majority of the remaining people that buy that game are playing against their friends. Yeah. They may not even touch single player. No, like, I think they're all going to touch single player. And then they're going to go back to playing with their friends. Well, because like, a single player is worthless and pointless. <laughs> but that's always been true of Street Fighter, I would say. Like that doesn't go make back, it okay. It doesn't make it okay, but it also doesn't make it anything new. I mean, it's like it's like you know. It's like complaining that like you know an RTS game has no worthwhile single player campaign. It's like yeah, that may be true, but it's also not really what the vast majority of people who play that genre are there for. Yeah, I don't know about that either. But any other nitpicks that you have with dude, the game? I hate multiplayer RTS, and I was always the weird black sheep of all the people that I knew online who would play. They're like, oh, let's play Rise of Nations against each other, and I would go on. I get like ended in five seconds, yeah. and I'm like, I'm gonna go back to the campaign. They're like, you're crazy. I mean, like, no one plays the campaign. I'm just like, you know, I do. So it's like you know. I think it's just a level of like, you know, I'm here to play this game against people. 
I don't care yeah. about the CPU. I'm playing the CPU on survival because um, I want colors. Yeah. I think it's stupid that you have to play survival with every character to get individual colors. And then problem. even then, and people may not quite know this yet because you, most people I think only have one new outfit yeah. you know, because of the pre-order right. thing. You have to do that for each outfit. Screw that. Like if you play survival with Chun-Li, I have the Chun-Li uh, battle outfit or whatever. Right. You play Chun-Li... In the in the default outfit, and you get new colors for that default outfit, but not for the battle. You got to do it again for the other outfit. And no, I'm like, thanks. are you out of your mind? They are. Like, <laughs> like why? Why would anyone do that? Like, it's, people will. And they, I'm sure it's there. People be- trying to get their money's worth out well, of buying. Well, I'm sure it's also game. there because they know they don't have any other single player content for people right. to bang their heads against. So exactly. I bet when they have more, you know, challenges come out in March, and all, I bet when all that stuff hits in March, and or maybe more around story time. Story time yeah. in uh, Street Fighter Story Time, <laughs> June 2016. I bet when that happens, maybe they'll change it so you just have to go through the, with the character and that gives you the colors. But yeah. for now, uh, it looks like they're tap dancing yeah. to stall for time. The only other criticism I really have of it is like some of the graphics feel, look, feel like they didn't go There's the a extra weird, mile. Like, Saturn era dithering quality to some of the shadows on yeah. there. Did you notice that? Like, like the shadows on the faces from yeah. the hair look like the an error. Almost. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I also feel like the voice sync is just terrible. Like the, oh, the, English, the character, like most the, of the English voice acting is not good. Either. The voice, the voice acting is not good. The writing is not good. The lip syncing with the characters is like terrible. Yeah, well, it's, it's all like, Japanese lip sync. It's, and it's they so didn't even simple. It. Like, do it though. Like, this is like a flagship game for Capcom. Like. You have to watch these stupid intros over and over, and it's just watching their flappy jaws like. Or the worst thing is like, this also, also survival where like you know that you get the same wind quote over and over. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. playing a lot of Chun Li to get colors for her two outfits, so I heard "Don't hold a grudge, okay?" for like like seventeen hundred times. Yeah. Just to sum it up, Matt, to me this game is great for anyone who just wants to fight against their friends. If they're planning on playing it on their own, I don't think it's a great choice. I think they'll run out of things to do rather quickly. Um, coupled with the server issues the game is having right hour. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, as far as single-player content is concerned, you probably get about an, two hours of content out of this, yeah. this if game. If you're patient. If you're patient, yeah. yeah. Because the other thing, too, that stinks is, like, when you play each individual story mission, you have to, like, go through it and then go through all the process mm. of collecting all your points and then start another one. Uh, so, yeah. If But if you're looking for a fighting game to fight against your friends on the couch or even maybe test your metal online mm. and learn how to get better, and that is one thing I will say is I have seen my skills improve day by day with this game Mm -hmm. um like i said the day before it came out get my butt handed to me i literally was like hoping i could just land a punch or two it is a lot easier in this game in my opinion to see what you're doing wrong i'd agree yeah um than street fighter 4 because street fighter 4 um was a very technically demanding game in terms of execution and i think um Street Fighter V is a little easier in that regard and as a result you are able to see that like you know it was hard to see sometimes in Street Fighter 4 if it was you or your execution. Right. Like, was your strategy wrong, or, was your, or did you hit the button wrong? And in this one, I think it's almost always your strategy. Uh, it's all, it's you know you you uh, you know the stuff's pretty easy to get down, so it becomes about how to use your tools, and you know even losing online so far, I'm like, oh, I lost because I did this wrong, right? Or I lost because he was doing this and I didn't realize that I could do this, or like you know, it's it's a much more um, 
is a much more robust learning experience, at least for me, and, and as someone who's very familiar with fighting games in the first place, competitive fighting games in the first place, but I lear- I've been, I'm learning much easier and with much less frustration on this game than I did in 4. Would you recommend someone go buy this right now, or would you say wait till next week? If you love Street Fighter and you love playing against other people, go ahead and buy it. Because yeah. here's the thing, if you really want to... You're going to suffer for the next few days, yeah. probably. If, you're, if you want to compete, if you want to play against people, if you want to be good at this game, like among other people who consider themselves good at this game, and I don't mean just pro people. I mean, like, people want to play and be good. Right. Um, if you wait until this thing is complete, like, you just wait until June, you're going to be hopelessly behind in technology. You know, yeah. you're, you're going to be up again. You know, right now... Everyone's kind of feeling their sea legs out. Everyone's figuring it out. And you see, like, you know, even... There's some rough seas out there. Oh, (laughs) yeah. But even, like, playing online, I've seen some things where, like, you know, there's those moments where, like, you know, some guy tries to do something to me and I counter him. And you see that moment where he figures, like, oh, I can't do that. And then he finds another way around what I'm trying to, like, counter him with. And I'm like, like, oh, I got to counter you with something different. And you see those, you know, I love those early first few days of the fighting game, like, learning times. Well, before moments. people have found, like, their mains, and right. everyone's just trying to play into, like, everybody. And, and, it be- and it becomes kind of that, that, you know, oh, everybody's doing the same combo with this guy. This is how you play Chun-Li. This is how you play, you know, Laura, whatever. You know, before it, everything stratifies like that. This is the most exciting time in a fighting game's lifetime is, yeah. to me uh, in terms of being a new player. Um, and then there's different kinds of excitement that come later when you're looking at people that know the ins and outs of these games completely, and you're looking at two masters that just are, you know, they're three moves ahead of each other in their own heads, and you just have to see who outthinks who, and that's a totally different kind of experience. Evo's going to be great. But I'm never going to have that experience because I'm not that good. Right, so right. this is what I'm <laughs> all about. And, you know, that is, I mean, that is why this game is out so early in this state. Is because so they of could, Evo. Because of Evo, so they can make the Capcom Cup uh, timeline. Yeah, uh, I think that might have been a mistake, though. I don't think it is in, this, in the end, because the longevity of this game, you know, the people who are at Evo, the people who are into this scene, the people who are part of the FGC, the fighting game community, like, they're the ones who are going to be playing this game for, for Look, years playing to come. It, sure. I'm talking about sales, though. Right now, it's generating a lot of negative publicity on Twitter, social media, word St- of mouth. Street Fighter is always kind of a slow burn on sales, though. I uh, think look, it, it has yeah. legs, typically. Yeah. People will buy it for the next three years, because they know, chances are, not another one's coming out. So, yeah. Well, I hope, I mean, they've said up and down, it's like the point of all the online stuff here is, and the server stuff is that they never have to release Super Street Fighter Five or Ultra Street Fighter Five right. or Street Fighter Five Turbo, right. which I'll believe that when I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I mean, who knows? I I have a feeling that after the first like season or whatever, you know, maybe next year, maybe next February, it will become Super Street Fighter Five, and they'll just change the title screen. You yeah, know? yeah. And you won't have to buy it again, but that it's like be. that'll be season two. All right. So before we move on, what's your favorite new character? My favorite new character. Um, I don't know. I, I I think I like Nikali. Me too. Um, <laughs> he's my favorite new one as well. I mean, I, I like. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he's kind of a reference to. Uh, um, he's a little Blanca. Bit of a, he reminds me of a little bit. A little bit of Blanca. I mean, he reminds me of like about fourteen different anime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little, a little, a little Super Saiyan going on there. Yeah. A little bit, you know. But uh, I like him. Uh, I think he looks cool. His yeah. beat trigger, like oh, his thing with the hair goes awesome, crazy, dude. is awesome. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I, I like him. Uh, He's also my favorite. In terms of like what I saw at the uh, people at are saying Rashid. Rashid is Rashid is cool. Rashid is my girlfriend's favorite. Well, a lot of people prefer to play with him. Mm-hmm. I, He's I interesting. Like, I like Nikali for the whole package. Like I like to play with him, but I also just like him as a character mm-hmm. as well. So. Rashid's got a lot of cool tools in his in his box. Um, yeah, I am not good with him at all yet. But like I played a little bit of him to get some colors for for through survival, and uh, I liked what I. Felt. He, he yeah. actually he felt a little SNK to me. Like he felt a little. It felt a little bit That's like okay. It was cool. I love SNK games. I, mean, I, I felt a little bit of King of Fighters happening with him. Yeah. And I like his uh, his look. I don't know why he's wearing the techno eye patch thing, yeah, but yeah. like because he doesn't have any moves that really seem to use that. Right. But like I'm, I'm I'm cool. I don't know how to use his uh, his ultra his super yet. Yeah. Where he does the the whirlwind thing. Right. Right. But, uh, that's what I love about it. Well, like most supers are the learn. same. It's like the quarter turn, quarter turn, and a medium punch. Yeah, yeah. but like, it's just like but they're just, not all the same. But he does most. like this vertical tornado, and so far I haven't found much that combos into it. It's more of a counter move to me. Yeah, um, but I'll play with him a little more. Uh, I don't. I don't dislike any of the new characters. I can't use Fang very well because he's just not my kind of. Fang's the only character. one I don't like. I just. Um, don't but think I've seen. I saw that, that exhibition thing they did the other night with uh, where um, Lupe Fiasco fought Daigo. Uh, some of the earlier the fixed facts. Uh, some of the ex- <laughs> exhibition stuff they did before that match. Uh, a couple of people played Fang, and they were uh, they were doing some really interesting stuff. No, I like him as a as a character. Concept, I just yeah. don't like his look. Like I just don't think he fits in with the rest of the. I w- cast. I'll I might pick him up if he gets a cooler costume at some point. Yeah, it's a, he's he's a little weird looking for me, and he doesn't. He, like, I know he's the new Shadaloo boss, kind of replacing Sagat, but, like, he doesn't look like he really fits with those guys. He I don't think he fits in, like, the universe at all for some reason. He just, he's got that real thin, like, narrow face. I just... Maybe, maybe the new story mode will, will figure it all <laughs> out for you. Well, within an hour or two. <laughs> all right, so we're going to move on from Street Fighter V. Well, kind of. Sort but, of. Yeah, so we've been doing this show ever since this game was announced. We have never had Street Fighter V as our trailer of the week. We're going to change that. We know you just watched like an hour of Street Fighter V footage. Hmm. We're going to give you another two minutes. But uh, also, while you watch this, send us your questions so we can kind of screen them while we're watching the trailer and we can answer them right when we get back. So get those questions in. But for now, here's the launch trailer for Street Fighter V. Yeah, that is just short. <laughs> well, here's the thing: like they put out so much media for that game. I mean, mm-hmm. this whole like last like two weeks, like every day they would put out like a new like character profile video, and then yesterday they started doing a strategy video specifically for each character. So, I mean, Capcom, I believe, has delivered on the marketing for this game already. Like, there's, mm-hmm. I think, 
other than maybe The Witcher 3, it's the game on Sifted with the most media underneath it. Wow. So I think Capcom has done its part at this point. It, yeah, they did not half-ass this one. That was just kind of putting the bow on it there. They got a little bit of the esports involved. But it's mm. also, to be perfectly honest, with a really weak week for trailers. Like, there just weren't a lot of great trailers that came out. And so, in celebration of Street Fighter V, we decided to go with that one. So, mm. Let's see. we got some questions here. Oh, there's a bunch. Can you and Matt go to Evo to, complete ne- <laughs> to compete next year? Hold a Street Fighter V tournament at the office. I would just like to go to Evo, period, because I just love it. It's... Evo's fun. I've been to Evo three times. Um, I don't. I haven't gone in the last few years because, frankly, the seat the, you get better seats at home. Uh, yeah. Well, that's although, true with almost every just about every sporting event, event yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But like, and then now it's in a, it's in an actual arena. Yeah. It's in it's in uh, Mandalay Stadium, which is awesome. Mandalay Bay, and like so that's, that's like where they have crazy. like UFC fights. Yeah, it's gonna that, like that is gonna be. An, I mean. I, I I was there when you just dragged a chair in right. from, into the ballroom <laughs> and sat down and boom. I'm but, wondering if they're going to have enough people to even fill up half of that room, though. They've sold out the hotel. The hotel, the right. The hotel, but, but that's enough to fill that. It'll, they'll like do 15, it. 15,000 people, I think, that they'll arena holds. It. You think? Yes. Because usually isn't it like eight or 10,000 that show up in that big room? Yeah, there's more every year. I think they might yeah. finally have hit the point. Well, yeah, it was full last year. Like, they needed yeah. to move to a new venue. But, you know what? You start there. Within a few years, start it there, will be full. It it's going to be an awesome shot. It's going to look right. really oh, cool. Yeah. It's going to look really There's professional. Gonna signs. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a wrestling match. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd be down with competing on that stage, for sure. I would not compete um, at Evo. I, I have <laughs> played... I mean, I've played in tournaments. I do okay. But in the end, compared to the guys that you know at Evo... Yeah. Um, I am like you know like in Dynasty Warriors where there's like you kill like the thousand like guys that all look the same like that's I'm one of those guys in, people in, at in Evo, an Evo tournament are so good like you don't even realize it like the guys who get eliminated from the pools before like the real thing even mm-hmm. starts are like better than the best guy you know like, yeah, like if I went to Evo <laughs> and I entered like a street, the Street Fighter Five tournament I would be happy if I won. A match. Yeah. If I didn't get eliminated just one two, I'd be happy. If yeah. I, I it got... was like the before launch day when I was happy to win a round. Like mm. these guys are so good. Like you just watch and you're like, oh yeah, this this is a mm. great match, and they go back. Like these guys are so and they and come... you see, there's I mean, I I played a little bit uh, in like Wednesday night fights and some stuff when Marvel vs. Capcom three first came out because I we had that game for like two months before it came out as a review copy. Yeah, yeah. So I was pretty good at it compared yeah. to like people who hadn't really touched it yet. And uh, I did okay in a couple of those things, but there's a there is a there is a ceiling where I'm playing against people. And they're pretty good, you know. I, I there were some hard fought wins, and then you get up to play someone like uh, Flo or uh, Alex Valle or uh, you know one of the no, one of the names, and you and then you see what skill is. Yeah. And then you, you these people that you know you've been like hacking your way through for a couple of wins. And then this person just goes, uh, "No, you're done." Yeah, like that. <laughs> and it, and you're just like, "No, I'm you. You're, you're just, right. I am done. You're just outclassed. You are <laughs> yeah. outclassed on a level that you have not encountered before." And it's it is yeah. kind of an amazing experience. Like, I recommend it if, if you get a chance to play one of these pros. Like, it's it's a it's an experience. <laughs> it's quick. It's yeah. a real quick experience. But uh, no, I'm 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 good. I would love to go back to Evo and compete in, you know, but I just don't. I have not the time nor the patience to become that good at anything anymore. Yep. Okay, question from, this is for Vidja Games. Uh, thoughts on the Mad Cats layoffs? Are you surprised at all, Matt? Nope. Me either. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, seriously, like, I pretty much figure both yeah. Rock Band and Guitar Hero were going to tank. Yeah, I mean, betting your company basically on Rock Band sales in 2015. Yeah. Uh, the that's gar- a big yeah. mistake. That's not... The biggest mistake was not making the old instruments work out of the box with the yeah. new games. Like, period. Like, making somebody have to buy a weird dongle the, the or whatever. Like, bad. It, yeah. D- yeah, silly. I'm not surprised at all. And look, it sucks. I and feel look, bad. like the main draw of Mad Cats for years has been the fact that they make really good fighting sticks. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, when I remember when they first started making those fighting sticks, I'm like, I'm not buying a Mad Cats controller. Those things suck. You know? Nope, not the fighting sticks. And all of a sudden, the fighting sticks were because of Markman. Markman yeah. really changed that company in a lot of ways. He made, you know, they, yeah. they're quality, and now he's gone. Uh, so bye. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I feel hope... bad for people who lost their jobs. Obviously, but <laughs> I mean, he la- he was planning to leave. By it. Yeah, uh, he I think he even announced that he was planning to leave last Evo. So it was in the works. Um, maybe that's when he first heard about the Rock Band plan. Could be. But um, you know, that dude did amazing work for the fighting game community and for Mad Cats. And wherever he goes next, I hope he him wish him all the sex, success in the world and all the sex in the world for that matter. Yeah, I'm gonna make that. Uh, Linguistic error. Well, the first question about Evo was from Alex R one two three nine. I want to make sure we call that out. Uh, here's one from Rewind Play Labs. Uh, question: What is your favorite video from game trailers? Um, I kind of mentioned last week that uh, Invisible Walls two hundred was probably like uh, the pinnacle for the site or whatever. But my personal favorite video that I had something to do with was an interview I did in line for the launch of the Wii with this crazy guy who had been sleeping outside for like two days and said he was all hopped up on grape soda and Demerol. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally the best interview I've ever done with, with anyone. Um, you can probably dig it up on YouTube. You may be able to find it on GT. It's called like We Superfan. It kind of went viral and turned into like this mm-hmm. big thing. Um, and all, the funny part too, or not funny, but the crazy part was like somebody reached out to me a couple years ago and let me know that he had passed away, the guy had. Wow. Because they had created like a Facebook group about great, him, great, and so like Demerol will do that. Yeah, and uh, he had become kind of like a little bit of an internet like sensation, um, and had his own Facebook group and everything. And I hmm. guess at some point he passed away like a couple years ago or whatever. And uh, yeah, so sad to hear that. But that's my favorite thing that I did uh, at GT. It was just one of those things. Hmm. It was lightning in a bottle. It was the right guy at the right place. He was in the right state of mind, and it was just like. One of those magical interviews. So mm-hmm. that's the one thing I would point to. I think I linked to it actually on my farewell post when I left GT on my Tumblr. If you want to find it, if you want to work to find it, that's <laughs> where you can find it. If you can find my Tumblr, yeah. I don't think I've touched it since the day I left GT. So uh, let's see if we got anything else from Gus Bricker. Any speculation on what Microsoft will show at their gaming event on the 25th? Is it going to be like the PlayStation Experience? I would say no. It's not going to be like the PlayStation experience. If it was, it would be promoted a lot more than it is right now. Um, and if you're asking, if you're asking me what game, I would say Gears. At this point, they kind of need to show mm-hmm. Gears again. It's been almost a year. I don't think they would wait until E3 again to show it. It's possible. So it may probably show a little bit of it, and then an expanded version of the same demo at E3. That could be. Um, maybe they debut the new Forza Horizon. Hmm. Because they announced this week that that's in development. It's kind of weird to announce it's in development. What if island not... nation will we be on this time? Right. Yeah, so that would be my best guess. Um, but yeah, for it to be as big as PSX, like you'd be seeing a lot more marketing for it. Mm. Um, I would have got an invitation to go, which I haven't really got. So uh, I would say it's probably not going to be as big, big as PSX. So you got one, Matt? 
that you dug up? Um, we've got Ahab GT, last gen consoles with close relation HDTVs. The consoles show the value of HDTVs, HDTVs show the value of new consoles. Currently, no console can do 4K. Will this lack of content hurt 4K adoption? By the time next gen rolls around, 8K will probably be common. Will they still be behind or will they be forever behind in the display? Uh, first of all, I do not think 8K will be common by the time the next <laughs> systems roll around because 4K is going to be a hard enough sell as it is. Well, to render at 4K is right. like, I mean, you know the kind yeah. of PC that you need to render a game oh, at yeah. 4K. Like, And um, frankly, I mean, the other thing is like movies are going to drive resolution upgrades for most like home entertainment consumers. Yep. And... Um, Quite frankly, nobody is uh, even stepping up to do the 4K masters right right now, so I don't even want to see what they'd have to try with 8K. I mean, there's a lot of Blu-ray transfers to 1080p that are terrible. Or they is. shoot every movie in 4K at this point? No. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I mean, some of them are, but like, that's, you have also have this weird limbo of digital stuff where, like, you know, digital sh- filmmaking, where, like, like you know, you're going to run into that problem with. Uh, Star Wars Episode 2 Star Wars Episode 2 was shot and rendered in 1080p right it can never be 4k yeah that's what I'm saying so you're gonna have a problem with that um, with stuff on film you know film is roughly 8 9k I yeah. think is what they usually say uh, so yeah you could get a beautiful 4k transfer out of anything that was shot on film but you need a good copy of it when you need the you know the negatives of it you need you know and inter, you know, make an interposit. You got to put some effort and some money. You know, a lot of people don't think. You know, studios don't think that's worth it. So I would say they're going to have enough trouble getting 4K off the ground, especially because you have diminishing returns in terms of how big your screen is versus how far away you sit. So a lot of people yeah. are not going to see a difference. I consider myself an early adopter, and I still have a 1080p TV. I don't have a 4K TV. I have a 1080p TV, and it's yeah. plenty good. Enough. I have a 4K monitor for my PC because my PC can do 4K, and it looks cool. But like. Just not really practical yet. Not yet. And I, I think, you know, it'll be like 3D TVs, where it's like, when will 3D TV be universally adopted? It won't, but everyone will have one because it'll be the TV you have to buy. Yep. You're right. So I don't think it'll be an obstacle to the future systems at all. I don't think that's... We'll be lucky if the next game consoles can do 4K, frankly. I don't think Really lucky. I mean, Xbox One is basically 900p, so you can do the math. Um, let's see, case money, where would sales have to be first month to meet expectations for Street Fighter V? It's like Matt was saying earlier, it's a slow burn, it's one of those games that's going to sell, it's one of those games where people buy a console, and they if they pick up a fighting game, they're going to pick up Street Fighter V for the next mm. five years, so it's going to sell for a while, I would say even if it does 1.5 million, it's a smashing success in the first month. Yeah, about right. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably. I think, I think it'll it. probably you know over the course of his lifetime, will probably crawl to about four or five million. Yep, agreed. And that'll be good enough for Capcom. Yep, if it does one, I mean, honestly, it'll be I don't good think enough the, for Street Fighter Six. I don't think the budget on that game was really all that high. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, not. they'll probably if they sell like one point five million, they'll already turn a profit. On and the clearly, game. they are you know going in hard on the on the community and on the competitive scene, so. You know, clearly they expect to make a lot of you know maybe they make make some money off of however they monetize the idea. I don't right. know how Evo benefits Capcom really, but they yeah. clearly put some time into it with the Capcom Cup situation. So yep, there's a plan in there somewhere. Here's one from Vera Seven AS. I don't know how I'm supposed to say that. Vera Sauce maybe. Sorry, I'm trying. Um, as someone in the competitive scene for fighting games, how do I send the message to Capcom that the game is unacceptable 
but still buy it because I love the gameplay. <laughs> uh, Veritas, I think, is what, is that how you say it? what they're Veritas. going for there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Twitter. Twitter, yeah. Yeah, that's all buy, you can do. Buy it anyway and then yell at them on Twitter. That's pretty that's, much that's all you really can do. That's really all you got. That's the only recourse you have. I mean, you could tell us to pass a message along and we'll pass it along at E3. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll complain about it to Seth Killian next time I see him, but he yeah. didn't even work for Capcom. He didn't even work for so. them anymore. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all you can do. Social <coughs> oh, media, Facebook maybe. Um, but yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, just don't buy it until June. But again, like then you're going to be hopelessly behind in terms of, you know, game, you know, Familiarity with the game. Yep. Uh, J. Reed Vic Seven, Shane and Matt. Do you think it's interesting that everything is moving towards open world RPG shooter hybrid this generation? Function of the marketplace or tech or both? A bit of both, maybe. I mean, yeah. You know, certainly, the more you see these games like sell well and sell big, you know, the temptation is there. And then the open world thing is always good for like marketing purposes because you get to see like, look at that mountain. You can go there. And sometimes they even mean it, Destiny. Um, <laughs> and you know, and The Witcher is you know going to make it impossible for people to resist that you know because that it's such a critical darling and it was so popular and sold way better than the previous installments. And so that's kind of proof that like to them, I'm sure to at least to a marketing department that like hey, if you make it open world and big and last forever and and you know action based, people will come. Yeah. So I think. It's a convergence of the two things. It's also like that's just the trend right now. I mean, at one, t- at one point it was shooters. At one point it was fighting games. Remember when there were, the '90s were full of fighting games? No one remembers that people would. And now, you know, someone would make like a random fighting game out of nowhere. You'd be like, "What's wrong with you?" But back in the day, it's like, "Hey, we're gonna make Bio Freaks, and that's gonna be our." You know, <laughs> I forgot about that game. That's gonna be our ticket to success. You know what I think it is? I think it's just like Darwinism. I think what you're seeing is that. People are taking parts of games that are good and they're discarding parts of games that are bad. Mm. And so they're plucking the best parts of every genre and every game and they're saying, why can't we put all those best parts into one game to make the ultimate game? And so what I think you're seeing is just natural selection. Parts of games that have been maybe even tropes over the years that really don't Mm. work and aren't great are just slowly getting sliced off until all all you have left is the very best parts of every genre and so people prefer open world over like a linear game so every game's open world now people prefer to be able to level stuff up so now you're starting to see like action rpgs come into play and i just think it's all it's almost like um like planet earth like eventually everyone's going to crossbreed together and we're all going to be the same color it's probably not going to happen for thousands of years or whatever but eventually, someday, this planet, everyone's going to look the same because everyone's going to have crossbred together. And I think that's what's happening with video games, just at a more accelerated rate. So, so what we're saying is eventually someone is accidentally going to create the version of Fable Peter Molyneux described at GDC in 2001. Yeah, because that would have kind of been, that the, been the ultimate game. game. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what he described was the You're greatest RPG ever. You're right. Uh, let's see, are there any more? Oh, there's a ton now. Um... Oh, man, sorry, guys. We're not going to be able to get to all these, and I'm sure you guys are asking great... Oh, my gosh, there's so many now. I wonder if some people took a bathroom break while we broke down <laughs> our stream there for a little bit. Oh, my gosh, Matt. I feel terrible mm. we're not going to be able to answer all these. I really wish that we could have. Hey, we're all going to look like Shane. Let's hope not. That would be a travesty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm. Let's see if we can just find two more. Two more. Um... Did you guys see Rise of the Tomb Raider won Best Video Game Writing from the Writers Guild 
uh, Nolan Elric. Yes, I did, and that's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, when The Witcher 3 was up, I mean, that sounds like guild shenanigans in there to me somewhere. Yeah, it's pretty surprising. I loved but... Rise of the Tomb I thought it was great. Uh, and it did have good writing. It did have good writing, and I like Lara Croft and a lot of the other characters in that game, but if you think that game was better written than The Witcher 3, you are out of your damn mind. Also, that that <laughs> Rise of the Tomb Raider is a chapter. Witcher 3 is yeah, a, a novel. A novel. Yeah. yeah, like, that's just not fair. It's yeah. like... I mean... Even though, I don't, I don't even know, line I don't know line. what's happening there. I don't know how the award is chosen, yeah. but it was chosen poorly. Line for line, I would still say Witcher. Yeah. You're just not even taking, like, the quantity into account. Like, it's just a better written game, but... Mm-hmm. I would say uh, Family Matters Quest alone in The Witcher 3. Like, one of the best examples of game writing I've ever seen. Yeah. All right, let's see if we can find one more before we sign off for the night. They took our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a good one. Alex R one two three nine. What do you think about Amazon entering the gaming market, creating the lumberyard engine? Do you think they'll be successful? I have no idea. I have no idea why they did it. To yeah. be honest with you, like I really have no idea. Like the engine space is already crowded. Um, from what I read, it doesn't really work with VR, which is what all the other middleware mm-hmm. programs are doing now. They're integrating VR, uh, so it's seamless to develop for all the VR platforms on, through one of the one middleware program. It I, just seems like a really weird element of the business to decide right now that you want to get your foot in that door. I mean, the only thing I could figure is like, look, Sifted is served on Amazon, like AWS, and like they're trying to build that part of their business, their servers and their infrastructure. Um, I don't know if there's some kind of a Trojan horse hidden in their middleware program where maybe you can build a game and then easily stream it through a service. Like, I think what it is is something that we don't know about yet. There's some hidden agenda that Amazon has for this that we're just not privy to yet, and I think Uh it will become clear eventually to all of us. But for right now, it really doesn't make much sense to me. But Amazon has money to burn, so... Yeah. And they're also smart. So I don't think they would I assume just frivolously... there's something behind it. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they know more than we do about they it. They definitely do. <laughs> but yeah, outwardly, it doesn't make a ton of sense at all to me. I'm not sure what they're up to. And I have a friend, you have a friend too, Garnet Lee, who works at Amazon. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should just hit him up and ask him what the hell's going on and try to figure it out that way. But yeah, it's, uh, I was surprised to, to see that story. Um, but Amazon's smart, and it usually knows what it's doing, so I think I'll put a little bit of faith in them and assume that there's something we don't know about yet that makes it kind of all make sense. So I think that's it, folks. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the good questions. Sorry we couldn't get to everybody's. Um, We probably could have sat here for another three hours just answering questions. Really appreciate it. Um, We'll be back Wednesday, I think, of next week. Yeah. So it won't be Thursday of next week. It'll actually be Wednesday next week. So just in six days, you don't have to wait too long for your next fix of Game Face. Trying to um, claw our way back to Tuesday eventually. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll probably just keep stepping back until we get back on to our Tuesday schedule. It's kind of hard to go from like a Thursday to a Tuesday because then you have Friday and Monday for news. For Yeah, you got to really show. hope something breaks Crazy over the weekend. Happens, yeah. Yeah. Or they decide to release all the games on Monday for once. So we'll be back next Wednesday. Uh, we'll see you guys then. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>